I'm surrounded by idiots. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend a night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to another episode of Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 9, and we'll be continuing our deep geek into our favorite episodes of Battlestar Galactica with the first half of season 3. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, from halfway across the country, often imitated but never duplicated, live via the magic gnomes in an internet server somewhere near Peoria, the badass Billy Gunn to my road dog. His work rate is always high. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Tim. Greetings once again, my friend. Here we are. Oh, you didn't know? And, well, it's and, good to uh, once again to be speaking with you, sir. Yes, and, and, and once again, uh, the, the list of tag teams is endless. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, I'm waiting till we get to the real obscure ones, but I, I just kind of, I was feeling a little uh, New Age Outlaws yeah. Uh, this uh, this fine evening, so I figured you would appreciate something from the the Attitude Era. Your ass better call somebody. That's right, and and I know when I hear you start to reference, uh, you know, the Haku to my Andre the Giant, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So. <laughs> I was going to hold on to that one for a special occasion, actually. All right. All right. I was figuring something, some type of French holiday, maybe, or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, my god. Anyways, thank you very much to everybody out there who is listening and downloading to this thing that we call a podcast. I'm not even sure if we actually fulfill the technical definition of a podcast, because I think they're supposed to be informative, whereas I think this is basically just our form of group therapy that we really don't have to pay for. Yes. I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I don't think I am. No, I so, think you're uh, thank right you. money. Thank you to all of our dozens and dozens of fans out there in the interwebs world. We certainly appreciate you tuning in, and we, uh, we certainly hope that you continue to enjoy it and, and share it with a friend. As I said before, share it with an enemy. We have little to no standards, really, and we, we, could we couldn't possibly care less who's listening just as long as you're listening. Uh, not that we don't care about you. It's, it's, it's everybody else. Um, so, uh, once again, you can follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We are now on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're getting no, serious now. For no discernible purpose, really. It just seemed like a good idea, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but we're uh, on all three of those platforms, at Free Range Idiocy. Uh, and as a matter of fact, actually, if you go to Insta Instagram, that's where uh, we've, we've dropped some outtakes as it were from past episodes so little tidbits that you don't get to see or hear anywhere else that's a good reason to go and subscribe to our instagram mm -hmm. 
So there it is. That's all the social medias. So uh, we're going to try and dive into this a little bit quick because we're starting late and we're both old. So we're way past Matlock time. We might catch the reruns of Murder, She Wrote once we get past midnight. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, we are our meds and, and bread pudding is calling us. So we need to make sure we get this rolling. And we are also diving into Battlestar Galactica episodes, which always end up kind of... Well, we have a lot to talk about anyways because it's a great series, but we also just love to flap our gums about this show. So there you have it. Exactly. So uh, let's dive right in here. Well, but but just before, not to interrupt, do you know where I'm going? Yes, I I do. I I can't believe I almost forgot this. This Violation. So fifty dollar fine. If James Brown were around right now, he would he'd just be pointing me out. That's fifty. That's fifty right there. <laughs> That's fifty right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess uh, you know what? Why don't you uh, why don't you ask the question this time, sir? Uh, what you drinking, my friend? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Well, uh, I, I'm a little bit boring this week because I'm actually drinking the exact same thing. Uh, that I was drinking last week because I enjoyed it so much. I am drinking a Glutenberg Stout, and it is just as divine and lovely as it was for the last episode. And yourself, ah, sir. Nice. Uh, I'm actually, uh, g- given the day I've had today, and we won't go into why, but I'll just say given the day I've had, uh, we're doing a twofer. Uh, we're, we're going back to the uh, Goose Island oh, summer colch. Of course you are. Mixed with the sleepy, not mixed with, but I'm just having, you know, and then we have a sleepy dog tail chaser. So, okay. I thought for a minute you were saying, I'm, I'm mixing this. I'm mixing this. That's why I stopped because I knew a, where you were going to go. I know what you were going to do. Half a cup of NyQuil, baby. That'll, whoo. <laughs> Let me tell you. Ah, uh, yes. You see some things then. <laughs> Is that a pink cow over there? What's going on? <laughs> Is this. Is this concrete floor moving? <laughs> oh, no, I am on a skateboard. What's going why, on? Why is that set of snow tires talking to me? And uh, why is it making so much sense? <laughs> yes. It's telling me I never should have gotten roped into doing this podcast in the first place. Why? So, such a rational set of snow tires. Yes, yes. Oh, boy. My okay. Goodness. So now that we've gotten that out of the way and, and Tim has fulfilled his MLM obligation to Goose Island, yes. we, can, uh, we can actually move on to... Member uh, in good standing. Yes, the business at hand, which uh, is... Uh, we are here on season... Th- I always want to say episode. I, for, I, I have no idea why and is really starting to tick me off. It I think it's like, because you want to jump into the episode. I, I, I think it's just you, you, you've got the passion, you've got the energy... And you just want to dive right in there. So. You got the touch. You got the power. That or I'm a moron. It's one of the two, though. I was trying to help you. <laughs> and I appreciate that, but I do believe in honesty as well. And I, well, I, and, I, and I, I grew you. up fat, so I'm really good at being self-deprecating. Stop it. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, we are in season three of Battlestar Galactica, which this one's a bit uh, a little different than season two and actually season four. They both had that mid-season break. I I was reading earlier uh, in my research for this season. uh, Season three didn't have that mid-season break. So there really isn't a a cliffhanger per se in mid-season. I I felt it did kind of come to a bit of a 
a waypoint or a there was a definitely a, like a stake in the ground sort of moment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was not the the cliffhanger that we were accustomed to from season two, uh, their midseason break. So this is a little yeah. bit a little bit of a different vibe. I felt. Did you notice any of that yourself, or did you just kind of feel it was about the same as as before? No, no. I, I and and we'll get into the why a little bit more. But th- you know, th- there's definitely this was an inflection point for the series. Um, we're we're starting to get further. And further away from the event that started all of it, which is the the just basically the massacre of the twelve colonies, and it it you know as you play out from episode one through ten, um, you, you really start to feel it. You know that that it's these characters are starting to drift away from where they who they were when this whole thing started, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's just it, it's a very interesting dynamic to see play out and, and it was very wise of the writers to kind of go in that direction other you know a, any good story has to move in a direction and evolve and yeah. uh with with you know with season three they, they couldn't you know just like season two didn't rehash elements of season one season three really goes off into a different direction um you know especially on the back half uh which which we'll cover in, a, in, in the next episode but um but yeah and, and it's it's darker you know, I mean, it, it's definitely a, this half of the season is, is darker and, and it starts to go down kind of a, you know, a very solemn path. But uh, yes, but yeah. indeed. I mean, yeah. and everyone's in the, the the other beautiful thing that, of course, this has kind of been this one of the hallmarks of this show is that everybody wears their scars. There's, there's oh, yeah. you know, it's not it is definitely not Star Trek The Next Generation where there's a shiny new Enterprise every single episode. I think this new ship was put together by monkeys. Oh, she's got a fine engine, but half the doors won't open. You, I mean, I just noticed definitely as I was going through these episodes when they do those those big sweeping shots over the top of Galactica. Yeah. And it is just pockmarked with these, you know, like burn marks from you know nukes and and just the Cylons hitting it and and you can still see like where different areas have decompressed I mean and you know they're fixing it because you know that they're that at this point they the fleet actually does have some sort of factory production capabilities you know that's how we're getting or or at least it's implied that there are things being produced by the colonists in those in those other ships and that they've managed to to make uh you know ammunition and things like that because that's shown up I think uh in uh, there was a sympathizers episode and that was you know they kind of showed them building munitions and stuff like that right so i mean we we know that they have these production capabilities but there's no place they can go to be like hey we need to overhaul galactica right Right. that's just beyond the capabilities yeah um and and especially the ship but of course everybody everybody is wearing those scars on them and, and and the the wear and tear of the the now what two years that they've been mm-hmm. since the uh, with the time jump at the end of season two into now, what is it about two years? Yeah, about two years since since the uh, since the attack. I mean that's that's a long time when, when you're being yeah. hunted essentially. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 it, it is a it, it's a great they they did so well balancing that without it being like just beating you over the head with it. I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's letting the reality uh, of that situation, you know, play out to some degree. And, you know, especially starting with, you know, we'll, we'll start going through what, what our top top three are. 
Um, I think both of us had uh, elements of, of the first three episodes in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and of course, that, that's the dealing, um, you know, the, those three deal with the events of um, what happens. You know, at the end of season two, we talked about that great cliffhanger where the Cylons basically invade. They're holding, you know, basically New Caprica hostage. And well, I don't even know over. if you could call it an invasion. I mean, that would almost imply that there was someone there trying to stop them. They just sort of showed up and took over. There was, I mean, there was well, not, there was the, no real fight. No, no, there, there, there was no fight. But, but I, I guess I what, what I'm thinking saying. about invasion, it, it's, it's that scene at the end of season two when the Cylons are just marching the streets. It's, yes. it's very, you yeah. know, it, 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 it harkens back to some of those you know, sort of war films where, where you see an army that has taken over um, just, you know, pushing their way through the city. And, and yeah. it's just a it's a show of force. Yeah, more, more exactly. Than, but you're right. There's, there's no of power. Fight. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the same same deal. You're totally right. Totally right. Yeah. Um, so let's dive right in. So uh, the we're uh, here are the rules, ground rules. There are no rules. No, kidding. Uh, there are rules. We, the first we, rule of Fat Club. Oh, sorry. <laughs> different flick. Um <laughs> fight any celebrity, who'd you fight? Alive or dead? Doesn't matter, who'd be tough? Hemingway. You? Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner. And the, and the second rule, you know, not talk. well, actually, first and second rule, if you want to be technical, not talking about it, we are, we've already violated that by a long shot because we've been flapping our gums for quite a while now. There it is. There it is. I can't believe you held off this long, sir. Uh, no, I finished number one. Run to number oh. two. Now, so. <laughs> oh, boy. We Everybody watch Goose, out. We went from Goose Island to Sleepy Dog now, so here we go. Watch out, everybody. Timmy's going to be running around his neighborhood in his drawers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> about 20 minutes. <laughs> We're going streaking! Well, yeah. Oh, my God. Pretty much. <laughs> Isn't getting old wonderful? All right. Anyways, the uh, the rules for this whole thing are uh, we each pick three episodes. So we're talking about the first half of season three, because uh, even though we didn't have that mid-season break, in just the name of trying to keep this thing under, like, six hours we're we're splitting the season in half and so we're only going to be talking about the first half of season three so there's 10 episodes uh we each pick three of our favorites and we'll go through those in in chronological or season series order however you want to think about it uh so uh we'll start right off uh at the beginning of the season and this was one of my episodes uh episode one occupation and uh, reading straight from the always accurate and comprehensive Wikipedia summary for these episodes. Wikipedia is the best thing ever. <laughs> your, your, your feeling toward Wikipedia is like mine torn Spotify, you know, it's like I, run you by know, Yankee fans or something. I, I, I do love me some Wikipedia and I've, I've contributed to Wikipedia and all that mostly because I've, I've, I end up reading a lot of Wikipedia. So I kind of feel guilty. I feel like I should be putting tokens into a machine or something. But uh, these these descriptions are not always the most accurate, and they leave out vast chunks and swaths of story in some of them. And I understand you have to keep it kind of tight for a summary, but dear sweet Lord, sometimes like that isn't even what the episode was really about, I feel. Uh, right, but anyways, right. it's what we have, and neither one of us was all that mo- mo- motivated or had enough time in the past week to actually write our own summaries. So... Here we go. Anyone in the world can write anything they want about any subject. All right. Wikipedia says, 
Occupation is about four months into the Cylon occupation of New Caprica, the Resistance continues to attack both Cylons and collaborators. Meanwhile, Adama and Apollo argue over the plan to rescue the colonists. So uh, the beginning of this episode has an incredibly dark opening. And let's just stop right there and say that's saying something for a show entirely premised on a robot-led human holocaust. Yes. To say something is dark in that context is real dark. Oh, yeah. So, so let's run this down. We've got Ty in prison who's one eye short of a pair. Uh, we've got Chief and Sam leading an insurgents bombing run. Uh, you have Adama like throwing the little model raptors across the room because he he's powerless to actually launch a rescue. Like he's trying to figure it out, and he's just there's nothing he can do. And then, of course, intermixed with all this, you have Ellen fracking somebody, and yeah. you kind of wonder the way it's edited if if it's Ty remembering something because they've done a bunch of flashbacks so you're thinking oh well ty's trying to you know escape and all this no we find out ellen is fracking cavill or Mm -hmm. a cavill um and then we have starbuck locked up with leoban and basically at this point up is down plaid is polka dots and what the frack has happened to the beautiful gem that was supposed to be new caprica and then you and then we all remember all right baltar so (laughs) baltar 2020 yeah, Baltar, hashtag Baltar2020. Uh, <laughs> for those keeping score, two times he's managed to completely screw over the human race. Even though it might have been inadvertently, he's still two for two, which is quite impressive because you don't usually get a second chance with stuff like that. Uh, to, to, to quote the great Booker T, he's a two-time, two-time decimator of humanity. Can you dig it, dig it sucker? Dig it, suck. Way to go working Booker T into this. <laughs> now, can you dig it? How, has he been doing anything lately? Uh, he actually has a podcast. Um, of course he does, because everybody does. He, we, I he mean, does. if we do. Well, you know, if, if we can, anyone can. Um, and uh, I, there was a period of time he was running a wrestling school as well. So he's, he's key, and, he, and he shows up every now and then on WWE for uh, announcing, like, pregame show sort of announcements for pay-per-views and stuff. Wow. I, I, I can't believe you lost the WCW championship five times. This student says how you do the spin rooney Oh my gosh, that guy was great. You didn't say that. He was hysterical. <laughs> that, that, that guy was fantastic. Tell me he did not just say that. Um, anyways, we're getting off. <laughs> yeah, so anyways. Back to uh, the darkness that is BSG. <laughs> yeah, well, we needed to lighten that up a little bit because, I mean, that that at that beginning, I was I watched it again. I'm like, oh my gosh, I must have blocked out how just it, how we start like in the pit with this one. Yeah, it, uh, it, you know. it, it really throws you as a viewer off from where from where we left them at the end of season two and starting season three the way they did i mean and i like how you put it you know up is down plaid is whatever you know i mean it's just it's so disorienting yeah well it just goes to show like if you thought if you thought it was bad with the cylons showing up (laughs) yeah watch this yep here hold hold my hold my beer and they're all very jarring you know starbucks situation i mean i i of of the memories i have watch you know from when i last watched the series which was really just you know i I watched it through once and i haven't you know watched it until we started doing this um that is something that stood out in my mind there there was something very just odd and disturbing about that whole sequence of with her and leoben um you know where where she's basically a prisoner and 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 what and basically what he was 
putting her through in terms of, you know, you know, again, it being like a psychological game. Oh, totally. Much much we saw in in season one between them when he was the prisoner and she was the one interrogating. This was flipped right on its head. And it it was just very just disturbing, you know, all all around. Yeah. And I mean, then, of course, you have that one of the opening scenes there where she she kills him like she she kills him and then very calmly sits back down and continues to eat her dinner and like, then like in, in in a very you know manneristic way that you would eat a very fancy dinner you know oh, like she can... sits down puts her napkin on her lap you know cleans off her fork and knife starts cutting meanwhile there's just blood hanging off of her shirt <laughs> it was yeah, just like it was so disturbing so prim and proper like the posture was like just stark upright and then the dainty the dainty little dabs at her mouth with the napkin and I mean, to me, it was like just the right mixture of creepy and badass. It just built so much tension when you're like, oh, yeah. something is going to something is going to go down here. And then, I mean, not to get into the, uh, the next episode, right. but I mean, the way that they took that from there was such a left turn from mm-hmm. what you kind of thought was going to be another like like a, like the, the the farm kind of escape thing for Starbuck. Right. Uh-uh. We're you know this is different. That was that was the first time I watched that. That blew my mind. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, the the whole thing of her killing Leoban was just so much tension. And then when he comes back, like, honey, I'm home. Like, oh dear lord, this dude yeah. could I, like, holy cow, this couldn't get any creepier, any creepier. And I thought, uh, you know, the one of the things that to me was that stood out from this episode is they brought in this idea of suicide bombers. Which yeah, yeah. was, again, it's, it's something that they didn't necessarily have to tackle. This is not a subject that they had to go after, but it was, right. it was almost like if we really want to go in a real direction with this, we have to. Because this is where, this is what would probably happen when you have a group of people who you know, either have no hope or are just trying to hang on to hope and be disruptive in the hopes that they'll get a rescue. Right. You know? Well, and and it, it marks the first time too that we see Cylon and humans in a way working together, if you want to call it that, where there is this concept of yes, the new Caprica police. Yeah, like, it, and and again, I I think I think inflection point is, is is the right phrase to use for this because on a number of levels, the dynamics between all the parties shift radically. I mean, oh, the totally. Cylons are no longer murdering humans the first time it, you know at the first sight of them or anything like that instead they're trying to forge some sort of future together um, yeah and, which all comes out of that whole caprica six right. um uh, boomer dynamic like they're and, trying to make up for their sins for the holocaust that they yes you know, ended up you know doing yeah which is is oh man it's crazy you know that just the that whole way of changing it, like, hey, we want to annihilate all the humans. Wait, no, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Now we want to try and like teach them in this weird sort of just like psychotic way. <laughs> right, right. It's, oh it's, man, it's it's, it's, it's so twisted. creepy, so yeah. creepy. Anyways, but uh, but before we go too much further, uh, I let me take care of this here. There we go. Beer. Because I might as well, I might as well enjoy my second if you're already there. That's so. right. It's peer pressure. Um, so, <laughs> oh jeez. 
And also, one of the one of the great lines in this uh, is Leoben, where he says, "To know the face of God is to know madness," mm. which I thought is you could just tie that into so many different levels. Right. Um, whether you want to talk, I mean, if you wanted to get into like, you know, major religions here on Earth, you you know, there's these concepts of like you can never see the face of God or anything like that, and and you know, the idea of the Cylons being you know, monotheistic and, and the and the humans being polytheistic and all this and the idea of like this will drive you nuts. Yeah. Sort of thing. And it's almost like he's it's a, in a way I almost feel like he's trying to say like I I know. I have yeah. seen and you haven't seen sort of thing. Like he has that kind of like if if he hadn't met Carrie, you almost get the feeling like he would have a compound somewhere with a bunch of Cylons you know, and right. that they would they he could have led them off in a different direction. Like he's that kind of a character. Like he is almost like he's he's just a little bit off of being a cult leader kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of vibe I get from this guy, from that yeah. character. Um, is that I mean, does that do you get that too? Or oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Leoben, I feel you know we we've talked the last few episodes about how each Cylon kind of has a dominating characteristic about them, and I think for him it's. Um, definitely the the philosophical and religious nature of, of uh, living. And, and, you know, in some ways you have to wonder too if part of the madness he's talking about is the resurrection aspect of what they go through. You know, we, yeah. we, we talked about how in season two they show that that is not exactly a, a pleasant process for them. Yeah, um, but then and, but actually and, then coming up there's some that adds another dimension to that. Right. Which comes up in, uh, in one of my episodes, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot going on, you know, and, and we're just talking about the beginning of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you have, you know, then we, we get into the whole, you know, the whole Adama thing where, I mean, obviously he, he wants to go back. Like he didn't want to leave in the first place. Lee right. was the one who essentially had to be like, no, it, it, like Lee, the realist came out like one of the two Lee personalities came out and Lee, the realist is like, no, we're getting out of here because otherwise we're getting our asses kicked. And that's the reason they left. And so Adama has this frustration and this drive to, to go back and get the colonists. And, right. man, I mean, Lee, for whatever, you know, he is ready to, he's ready to go. He's yeah. ready to, to, I mean, again, it's like this ultra-realist streak in him that he's ready to go. And you have that great scene between Adama and Apollo because now it's one of those glimpses because we, we kind of get this view of, uh, of Adama Sometimes is paternal and, you know, you know, he can have that kind of soft touch sort of thing. And even though he can be a real hard ass and he can give you like that, you know, that like just go to like 11 nuclear stare that could just melt any person right in their shoes. Mm-hmm. But you also know this is a guy with a tremendous heart. And he you you kind of get that that side of him that you realize like, oh, that's the guy who would get a command of a battle star right there right yeah. there when he basically tells Apollo like this is what I'm doing and then he tells him get your fat ass out of here mm-hmm. hashtag fat Apollo um, <laughs> which is so great because it, it really does it shows you like this is the guy mm-hmm. who, who yep. gets that type of command you don't get to command a battle star by being a soft touch or, or just by being a nice guy like this is the guy you want in charge like he might waver a little bit here and there, but eventually 
he comes back to due north and it's like, okay, time to kick some ass and get people back in shape. Right. You know, and even if it's his son, you know, like, dude, go look at yourself. You're about ready to, you're about ready to explode. Um, I thought that was great because it was a good way of, it kind of gives you a little bit of a, it lets you off the hook with a little laugh, but it also shows you that Adama is kind of getting back in touch with that, that guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then of course, then you have a very different conversation later with Adama and Sharon, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so interesting because now he's kind of having it to me, it, it felt like. It's almost like the conversation he had with D. You remember that one from? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And and when he when he decided to he, to put the fleet back together, you know that sort of thing. Like he he kind of he wants to talk, but he really doesn't want to hear what the other person has to say because it's not always what he wants. And that whole idea of like Adama saying like I don't do guilt, and he's right. totally in denial right there. Totally in denial. Yeah. Um. And Sharon talking about having to forgive herself and then he needs to forgive himself. Right. And that is so important to this, you know, that idea of forgiveness, because we see that going on. It's going to go on throughout, you know, the rest of the series, really, because there's stuff that happens between characters that is so horrible or so, you know, it just, man. Forgiveness and the lack of forgiveness. Well, yes, actually, yes. Good point, because there is some things that that don't get forgiven or even some things that get forgiven. And then things go sideways later on. And Mm -hmm. now you're you're back on the list, unfortunately. Um, And then, of course, I mean, at the the end, you know, that moment that, you know, they they, because you have like a, you know, tie like the old man is out there because he said he's going to be out there kind of thing. And Sam, of course, is just, he's just pissed. He's pissed at everybody because, of course, he hasn't seen Starbuck. Um, and that, right. that final, that message for Adama and the way it ends, just have hope. Like, yeah. I got to admit, like, even just saying it now and remembering that moment, like, it just, it, there's a, it just, I don't know, it kind of, it, it, it chokes me up a little bit. Like, yeah. and uh, amazing that a TV show can do that one, but a show that, I've watched this like three or four times. Right. And right. it still does that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like I said earlier, there, there's these episodes that just impact you a certain way um, emotionally and otherwise where um, it, it's just good writing and, and it's just, it's, it's good writing and it's well acted and you know, you just, you, you just find yourself immersed in the story and, um, and yeah. And, and this one was, you know, the, the, the beginning of a few, episodes of some some dark things going on but you know kind of woven into that as you just said is is hope and and yeah. the the ability and opportunity for them to find their way you know out and to find their way to to, to a salvation of sorts where they are uh you know able to, to to remove themselves from that situation yeah yeah and and then of course i mean again talking about dark i mean the, I, I had forgotten that the closing scene of that episode was the suicide bombing. Yeah, yeah. And that they, they go back, because, I mean, you, you kind of get away from a little bit sometimes, I think, of the, the idea of, it was real evident in the first, in the miniseries, because it was so unlike how normal TV and movies are shot with a handheld idea and the very documentary style kind of thing. 
and there, I mean, it really is. It's like it's like somebody is st- standing there with a camera, and the way the camera moves at the end, right? And just the way, it's just the flashes and the and the jerky movement. It really puts you in that spot, like you are right there, front yeah. and center for it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's so it's such a jarring ending. It's one of those deals where it's like, oh, and the credits come up. It's like holy crap. Well, and and when we started this, we. You know, we talked about how one of the th- the themes or, or threads that Ronald Moore, I think, and, and his and his writing team were, were weaving through this was also um, processing elements of, of you know what happened with nine eleven and and you know the the basically the events of the early two thousands. You know that that really impacted our society and and you know caused it to swing in a way. You know, very much like what we see in the show, where it was an inflection point of sorts, and and things yeah. have not quite been the same since. And no, not at all. And um, you know, n- not that I would ever, you know, condone or support it, but I I think what I can appreciate from a story standpoint is them taking the time to try to provide a story where you're getting a different perspective of why someone would do something like this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like. You know, there there's a desperation there. There's and, and to be honest, you know, I, I found myself, you know, when I watched um, this in Precipice that because they were, as I was telling you before the show, they were actually kind of bundled together when I watched it. Yeah, you which know, is kind of odd to me. Saul is Saul Ty is, is he's in a really bad place. Because oh, he, he's he's just yeah. using everyone is a chess piece from his perspective. Everyone is a chess piece because he just wants to get. He wants to mess with the Cylons and he wants to provide a window for the old man to show up and, and provide the rescue that he knows he can deliver. Yeah. And that's the thing. Actually, I kind of wanted to use the the fact that you had, you told me that uh, Amazon, for whatever reason, d- decided to bundle these two episodes together. Even though they, they were aired separately, they decided to bundle them together. Uh, I wanted to kind of use that as a justification just to talk about just the beginning of Precipice. Because yeah. this was very nearly... Uh, this was very nearly, if we had done four each, this would have easily been my fourth episode. But the speech that Ty is is giving at the beginning when they're having one of the one of the insurgent meetings and he's just sitting in the corner and he's smoking that raggedy cigarette and he's got the patch over his eye and he's, right. you know, we're, we're evil men, chief. We are the bringers of death and all this. I mean, it's like you see like, holy crap this guy is so far down a hole but then you realize like again this is this isn't this isn't out of nowhere like again for the same reason why you know when when the when the tough decisions need to be made when someone needs to kick somebody in the ass Saul Ty is there and he he rises to those occasions a lot of the times and you realize oh that's why Adama would keep him around even though he's a drunk you know even though there's so many bad characteristics of this guy this is also the kind of guy that in a in a in an absolute knockdown drag out life and death fight you know that they that, that he is going to keep fighting until there's nothing left in him yep. and that's the kind of person that you probably want on your side oh yeah and you see oh, it here because i mean he is uh, he, i mean especially then when rosalind comes in and slaps him across the face and and he's and he says yeah. you know not much matters anymore, and it like doesn't even phase him. Because, yeah, again, oh, he's, he's like he, he's a different man. He is a yeah. completely different man. And in a way, he's almost resolved himself to the fact that you know what, I'm probably not going to get off this planet. 
but my job is to do this and that's what I'm going to do because I am just locked into this trip now you know and this is what I'm going to do and man it just that is rough that's rough to see a person like that you know and and he's not even aware of of you know the the things his wife has had to do in order to guarantee his freedom. And no, and he out. hasn't even seen. I mean, he doesn't even know about what she's going to do, which is right. even. Oh, yeah. I mean, good lord! I mean, that's before. That's what this dude is like before. But I mean, I, then again, that is also kind of like that's him. He has the armor, and I think part of that is right. he also he feels like I've got Ellen in my corner, so I'm protecting her. This sort of thing. And and then you see later on, and we'll we'll talk about it in in, in your next episode. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of that drops. Yeah. Oh my! And that's and that is heartbreaking to see. Um, but I again, I don't want to talk too much about precipice. Uh, on, did you have on, one more thought on that? Just on, well, not on precipice, but but on a slightly lighter note okay. with occupation. Thoughts on um, there's a light note. Thought thought on Professor Tyrrell. And his uh, collegiate beard and uh, his his rallying of the labor unions, apparently, which in four months they've had time to, you know, kind of or, or I mean, it's the resistance, but it's also he, he's kind of this like head of the union sort of thing. And it was really kind of funny to see him in this sort of professorial sort of state. You know what I mean? It was interesting. But then again, it, it the glasses it is also, and the beard. And, and yeah. I mean, it's it's too bad that it wasn't a little warmer on New Caprica because I'm pretty sure we got would have gotten a tweed jacket with the leather <laughs> patches on the arms, which would have been a real would have been a real nice look for Aaron. I I still think he could pull it off now. Honestly, I I I'm I'm just saying, you know, hashtag leather leather patches. Don't write this down, but I find Milton probably as boring as you find Milton. Well, I mean, you, you, like I almost had to do a double take when I first saw him because I'm like, is that Tyrrell? He's, you know, wearing glasses, has a beard. It's like, this is not, it doesn't look like Chief. It looks like, you know, his, his, uh, you know, collegiate professorial, you know, twin brother or something like that. Yeah. It's very it, strange. It, it was, a, it's almost like one of those old Star Trek episodes where you, you, you see the alternate universe. You're like, whoa. I'm waiting for reports from some of you. I'm not joking. This is my job. And on another lighter note, with, without overdoing it on this it's episode. It's two lighter notes. Oh, my well, gosh. I the, must have missed these. The the notes I'm reading from Battlestar Wiki, as, as I'm looking at notes on this episode, I, uh-huh. I, I love that someone took the time to write this. Uh, it says, on Pegasus, a shirtless, hanging-bellied Leodama overhears Hackathon's order that they recover the drones and dispatch a tanker bird. He waddles to the phone and orders a connection with the act. Your butt is wide. Well, mine is too. Just watch your mouth, or I'll sit on you. Yes, which is totally true. Which you already talked about, but I'm, I'm just saying, for, for someone to take the time to put the, the adjectives in there to properly describe... Ham on, ham on, ham on whole wheat, all right. You know, his look, and, and, and then the verbs of what he does to go to the phone. Oh, well, because you do, you have to get across that this is a, this oh is a guy gosh. who... I mean, he's, he's eating his feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Let's oh, just... Yeah. There's there's no there's no two ways about it. He is eating his feelings along with anything that isn't moving and probably some things that aren't moving too quickly. Yes. Oh yes. And so later anyways, on we'll learn why. Yes. Uh, so let's move on to uh, your episode, your first episode from this season. Who's fat? And uh 
That is uh, a one monster of a pick, by the way. Oh, um, I, I, I know this holds a special place in your heart. <laughs> so, uh, so we are going to go. To, this is episode four of season three, Exodus Part Two, which oddly enough followed Exodus Part One. I know, shocking. I don't get it. Who would have thought it? Threw us a curveball with that one. But uh, Exodus Part Two, which uh, Wikipedia thusly describes. With the return of the Galactica, the insurgents on New Caprica begin an all-out uprising in an attempt to evacuate the stranded colonists, which pretty much is like just a spoiler right out in front, I thought. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, with a name like Exodus, you, you knew something was going to happen. Uh, so let, give me the rundown on what you, what you loved about this one. Uh, well, I, I think first and foremost, let, let's just get it right out of the way, the, the Adama maneuver, baby. <laughs> Which was prefaced with Brace for Turbulence. Yes. This is the Admiral. All hands. Brace for Turbulence. That's an understatement. Never before done. Not in Star Wars. Not in Star Trek. Never, never, never. It, 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 was, it was probably... Uh, and, and I think when, when you had described to me how you had first watched this and what you thought, it was very much right in line with, with my reaction as well that... Um, you, you, you go from sitting and watching the show as, as a means of entertainment to like sitting like you're watching a football game. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like you're you know leaning forward in the couch like, what is that in the sky? And, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, is he really doing this? And Oh, I jumped up like it was a touchdown in the Super Bowl, like the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. And then every single time you and I have talked about it, you always talk about Hot Dog and, and his... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not any different. As he gets flung through the atmospheric burning of Galactica as it falls. Well, and, and so for the listeners who haven't seen this, it, basically Adama does, a, it does an FTL jump from space into the atmosphere, lets the uh, Galactica drop like a rock while yeah. they're basically um, launching all of their, their Vipers to provide air cover for the fleeing... Uh, insurgents and and fleeing and create uh, a big ass distraction yes and then uh pretty much just before it, it's about to hit landfall like right around where tyrell and and saul tire are kind of you know hiding uh you know to avoid being shot uh then then he ftls from there back into space which was just like the coolest thing so uh so it it, it definitely uh they, they they found a way to do something that that really hadn't been seen before in any of the big sci-fi franchises, and it, and it was fun. It was, it was oh, a lot of fun to see because you've never seen anything like that. Also, because uh, I think a lot of other a lot of other shows don't really go into the whole. Well, does this ship fly in the atmosphere? And we never really saw it in in Star Trek the original series. Certainly, because I mean, <laughs> well, actually, no, we did. We did. Wasn't there the time travel episode where they showed the, the Enterprise in the atmosphere and it was like the the, the Air Force jets were going to intercept it or something like that? Oh, Do you remember I, that? Are you talking about the original series? Yeah, like the old school uh, Shatner series. You know, I, I never really watched a lot of that, so I'm, I'm not I, I, I don't re- I don't recall. I'm almost positive. I'll try to look that up and, and, and put it in the show notes, whether I'm right or wrong. But I am like 90 percent certain. Of course, I've been 90% certain on a lot of things before and been wrong. <laughs> so I will double check my math and we'll put it in the show notes. Well, but, uh, but, but, but but then in the, they didn't they never did it in Next Generation. Right. And then in Deep Space Nine, I think they only had like a like a ship that was small or something. But then in the in the new Star Trek, the uh, the Abrams Star Treks, they had uh, one where the the Enterprise was underwater. And of course, it it flew out and all that. But but with a lot of these shows, they've kind of always played coy with it. it. Was like always smaller ships that could go 
out of the atmosphere and into space or down into the atmosphere. And it kind of demonstrates with Galactica, like, no, this is a huge friggin' ship. Like, it is not meant to be in the atmosphere. And if you put it inside of an atmosphere, it drops like a cinder block. <laughs> there's no aerodynamics. There's no, there's no drive that's supposed to hold it up. Like, it's meant to be in space. And this is what happens right. when you put this thing into, 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 into the atmosphere. And I thought it was just so fantastic to just put that in there, like, yeah, and, and, and that it, should have been an Emmy right there. That is the injustice of it right there. That should have won the show an Emmy just because it should have been like, you know what? Frack, that's amazing. Just here you go. Here's the, a statue. The the best actor Emmy goes to the Adama maneuver. Yes. I would have been fine with that. It's not a person. It's a thing. It's a, it's it's an event. And it's um, like you want to here, let's put it on the screen and everyone after that been like, "Nope, you got it. That's fine." <laughs> Perfect. Call it. <laughs> Whatevs. I'll allow it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what was what made it just so so cool was it, it, it did it. It took it, it took the norm of what you were used to with that ship. You know, same thing with with the Enterprise from like Next Generation. You would never, ever see the next uh, the the Enterprise from Next Generation in the atmosphere like that, except for when in the in I think it was in Generations um, when it crashed. You know yes. that, that that was the only time you saw something like that. So you never had really seen. You know, a a uh, a warship or, or a massive ship like Galactica used in that way, and no. um, and and it was ingenious too. Because when when you're when you're seeing what they're trying to do as they're trying to escape, you're like, how on earth are they going to overwhelm this force? And this is about the only thing that Adama could do in order to provide them with a, with what is essentially an air force to yeah. to, to basically, uh, and, and it completely throws the Cylons off. They they don't. You know they can't possibly expect this sort of of gambit to to play out, and so no. they're they're caught completely unprepared. No, because they they've already had those they had the the raptors with the drones that are basically mimicking two battle stars. Yes, and and that was brilliant that they used the the raptors and drones to on the Dratus provide the Cylons with the idea that they were looking at a, a at a battle star. Yeah, and to set that up in Exodus one, right where. Where they show them bo- like botching the maneuver, yes, you know, yes. which was like it's such a great setup, but also a great way to tell like they're not ready. They are not right. ready, you know. Anyways, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to jump no, all no, over no. that, but that that is like one of my favorite things ever in television. Is that oh, yeah. that that moment? Like I, oh, it's amazing. Anyway, you 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 can't watch that season and not not think about that as one of the high high points because because it's it, it's also turning the tide of allowing them to escape. I mean, that's primarily how the, uh, the remaining ships are able to get off the ground. Um, there, there's another aspect that plays out in, in a little bit, which we'll get to, which, uh, which of course is that, you know, as, as this maneuver plays out and, and they pull back into space, um, now they got to deal with the base stars. Oh and yeah. I mean, don't, don't, don't get into that though. Cause we got a lot of, we got a, let's, let's try and go through, go through the story, go through the story, go through the story. <laughs> No, 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 because that, that's got to you got to save that. You got to save right. that. All right. You got to save that. Um, so, so I'm going to go back with with more of the sequential telling of the story. Well, I think we I mean, because, again, we just got through talking about Ty and how Ty had really developed. I mean, Kane would have Kane, Admiral Kane, pour one out, R.I.P. Gotta go, gotta go. Uh, you know, would have referred to Ty as a razor in this moment. Yes. Like he was a sharp weapon with no other motives. And then to see just what happened to him 
yeah. at the beginning of this episode. Oh yeah, is gut wrenching. Yeah, the that you know at the beginning of the episode, I think it was toward the end of Exodus Part One. They come to the conclusion of so. So let's back up. So basically, there's. Um, an ambush that happens uh, to, to the resistance um, mm-hmm. that made it clear that there was some information fed uh, to the Cylons and, and the collaborators, um, the, the new well, Capricans. They, they find Ty's, uh, Sam's map. Or they Ty's. find Sam's map, and yeah. Ty had given it to Ellen, and it was very clear at that point what happened. Mm-hmm. And so Ty, of course, um, has to go through the heartbreaking step of um, he, he provides her a drink, and you know they, they, they share a moment together. Uh, but then he provides her that drink, and it's basically poisoned, and so she, uh, she dies, and and he, you know, he's basically crushed at that point, and and that plays out toward the end, um, because uh, I I feel like the ending, um, w- without getting into what the end is, is is a is a big, um, it, it's it's such an illustration of the dichotomy of where Adama and where Ty are in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from from Ty being broken to Adama being hailed as a hero, it's it's just a it's it's heartbreaking because yeah. you you see these two two men who have fought and and served together for so long, and they are just in two totally different places. And 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 Adama has no idea why. You know, like yeah. like he he sees him. Well, I think he kind and doesn't knows, understand, but he doesn't he doesn't know all of it. Like, right. Right. Well, he knows Alan is no longer. You know, with Saul, that that, yeah. that something happened to her, but I don't think yeah. he understands, you know, the details. And I thought the, the thing about that is, though, when when it comes down that they know that Ellen betrayed the resistance, and Sam saying to Ty, "It'd be better for her sake if it was you," like right, right, to be put in that position of like, you need to take care of this because if if you don't, it ain't going to be good because people are pissed, kind of yeah. thing. Like that is. Just to add, I mean, bad to worse. I mean, good lord. Right, right. And then, and then her confession, mm-hmm. because I mean, again, we've joked about it. Like, hey, if you want a situation to be worse, just add Ellen, and <laughs> it'll be worse. <laughs> and in this case, it was unfortunately because that's that was her job. Is just like take any situation that would have been rough or mildly bad. Add Ellen, and it's like ju- it's like dumping five gallons of gasoline onto a raging fire. You know, it just explodes into a fireball. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But in her confession, you just understand like the depth of love that she has for Ty. Like she is so screwed up. Yeah. I mean, she is, but she loves this guy. Like she would have done anything. Everything she did in her mind was for him. Right. Right. And then and then the thing I want to know from you, I've got this question. Do you think she knows what's in the cup? Um, I wondered about that because I think there, there was an element of I think her knowing, you know, that 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 she had been found out, I think. Um, I mean, she she knows him better than than I mean, the only, the only other person who would know Saul better would be Adama. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of got. It's funny you say that because I, I kind of had that feeling watching it again that, you know, that she kind of knew something was up, you know. But, but she, but that, but as you said, I mean, she has this confession where she, you know, basically opens up to him, and, and I'm wondering if that was just kind of the, the merciful plea, you know, to kind of see if, if, if you know, he would uh, accept that or not, and. 
and I think, you know, does she knowingly go ahead and drink it anyways? I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. But, but you get the sense that she kind of understands or knows that something is up. Yeah. I think she does. I, I think she does. I think she yeah. does, and she drinks it. In, and I think it's her final expression of love for Ty. Like she knows what, she has to go through with it. Well, she knows that this will let him off the hook. And, yeah. and almost yeah. by, by asking for it, it, it saves him from having to get her to drink it. Right. And right. she knows, I mean, she knows her goose is cooked. I mean, she knows the score. Like, she knows that there are there's suicide bombings taking place and that, you know, the, the resistance is out to take out the new Caprica police. Like, anyone who collaborates with the Cylons is, is dead. Yeah. So she yeah. knows. And I think she's trying to say, okay, I'll do this because if I do this, nothing's going to happen to you. Right. And if I do this, if I do this willfully in, in a, and in this way, maybe it will alleviate your guilt. That's right. the way that's the way I got it, at least this time. Maybe I mean, before I'd, I'd watch it and I'm like, I think she knows what's in the cup. She totally knows. Right. But right. I never quite read it that way. And just in in the in her performance there is is fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. And yeah. I, just the, the nuance that that you could read into it, just yeah. providing that kind of like texture that you can kind of try to figure out is amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know? it's, it's, it's a layered performance there. And, 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 and like I said, I, I wasn't fully convinced, but hearing you kind of describe it, I mean, that would make sense. It plays in, in that manner of, of her, you know, doing it for him, like you just said it to, to show love, you know, to, mm -hmm. to show love through this, this process of pain and death, um, you know, and of course it takes an interesting turn later on, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think for, for her that, that was, that was the only way, you know, and, and Saul, uh, but Saul has to bear those scars and, and, uh, you know, we see it play out in what will be my next episode after this one, um, in, in a very, very dark way. Yeah. And so now, now we get to what you were going to lead into before. I just wanted to make sure I got that in there. Cause it's oh, me. yeah, yeah. No, no. I, so, I, I was going to go through that. I mean, there, there's one real quick blurb, and I don't want to spend too yeah, much yeah. time on it. But, but yeah. it, there, there is the Starbucks. Oh, no. We can, spend, we can spend like three hours on this episode. <laughs> I love this freaking episode. I'm but, good. Um, like, all, all, see, now you get me in the middle of this. I'm like, all bets are off. Let's talk, yeah, let's talk Exodus Part 2 for like the next 12 hours. <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got I've got depends on right now. I'm good. Uh, Todd, I gotta get going back to work. Uh, I gotta catch a train. <laughs> Tim Tim sent me an entire case of Goose Island. I'm I'm good. He's all ready to go. I, I only had to sign up for five year for a five year subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I now have my own Goose Island ale throne. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, the the other piece is Starbuck and Leoben and um, yes, and what plays out where. You know, over the course of, you know, from what we talked about in Occupation to now in Exodus Part 2, um, he introduces the concept of uh, a child, of yes. Starbucks' oh, daughter. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And there is, uh, you know, I, I don't recall, I don't think it all plays out in this episode. I think it started in Exodus Part 1 where um, she's coming to acceptance of it being her daughter. Well, it's actually precipice because that was one of the is, reasons. Is, is it that one? Yeah. That was one of the reasons that I really, that episode hit me in a big, bad way. And I'll be honest, like that's an episode that once, once we're done talking about this, I will probably go back and rewatch that episode because that one was really hard for me because it was the first episode uh, 
first time I've watched that episode really thoughtfully as a parent. When right, I rewatched right. it the previous time, you know, my my daughter was a uh, was early, was younger, but uh, it, which is kind of funny because probably closer to what Casey's age is in this uh, episode. But anyways, um, it just for whatever reason it just hit me. Yeah. really oh, yeah. hard this time just the the stuff that happens in that and it was crazy just that i mean again because leoban is such a mind fracker it's unbelievable dude yeah oh yeah and and one of the things i noted down here um that i kind of noticed this time around in this rewatch he's never really part of a lot of the cylon discussions no this no. far he's, like he's he, very focused on starbuck throughout yeah, this like, whole thing you you never see him like on colonial one or any of those scenes where, where Cavill and everybody else is talking or anything, like he's never there. It's always focused on Starbuck, which yeah. was very, I, I don't think I'd taken note of that before. You know? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. And, and I think, um, because again, I, I think, and we can speak about this with some hindsight having seen the whole thing, but being the one who's a bit more philosophical and religious, you wonder if there is a deeper understanding he possesses where there, there's a mission he's on. We're on a mission from God. With her that is beyond what we're seeing right now. You know, like like we're, we're seeing something that looks very psychologically manipulative. It looks very, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously wrong, at, at, you know, where he's holding her prisoner um, and that sort of thing. But there is some purpose that it's serving, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, and, you know, Starbuck comes out of this as anyone would who goes, you know, who would be in prison like that. You know, she comes out a different person. She is not who she was when they landed at New Caprica. No. And then the, the fact that a child is introduced next, and, and I, I don't remember if this is in Precipice or in this one, but, you know, eventually, you know, she, she just blows the kid off and, and, you know, the kid falls and bang, I think falls that was, down the stairs. That was in Precipice. Like that, that whole story arc of Casey. Was Precipice? Yeah, was being yeah, introduced, okay. was Precipice. And then the fall down the stairs was, right. was also in Precipice. And then I, Exodus part one, I don't think there was a whole lot of, of Leoben Starbuck okay, okay. sort of thing. So, but, 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 the, but, you know, as you were saying, as a parent, you, you know, yeah, th those are very visceral scenes because you, you cringe at the idea of a defenseless child being kind of left alone and, and what children will typically do, which is, you know, they, they don't, they don't recognize or understand the danger that is around them, you know, and, 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 you know, so, so Starbuck, when that accident happens with the child, you know, Starbuck begins to bond and, and begins to, you know, accept it more. Yeah. Um, and, and becomes more agreeable to the idea and, and, you know, really, you know, lets it take root, which of course, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the ending soon, but, but it makes the ending all the more heart wrenching for her. Yeah. And I think another part of that too, that, that, that really, man, it, it just messed with me was every parent I think has had those moments. Well, every parent I know has had those moments where they're like, oh man, if only, you know, there but for the grace, right. this could have happened sort of thing where you realize like how close, how, how easy it would have been for something to go wrong and for something to really go wrong with your kid and oh, how, yeah. how hard it would be to forgive yourself mm -hmm. if it's even possible if something had happened and, and how sometimes it can even be in those moments when like just we're all, we're all human and you, and you have those points where you're frustrated and you just like, I just need 30 seconds of silence 
right. and just of, of like a moment to gather myself. And, and her going into the bathroom is almost one of those deals where you could almost see some parent like yourself or anyone as a parent doing that. Like, okay, you put the kids somewhere where they're safe and you just like, you kind of turn your back for a second just to be like, even if it's just take a couple deep breaths. Right. And something happens that you totally didn't expect that like, I mean, you know, cause I mean, sometimes like when you have a little kid, they can go from that whole, like you set them down and they're there and they don't move to all of a sudden you set them down and they're just gone. Like they can fly right. all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. when I know you're going to crawl, but w- when did you learn how to teleport? Right. When did that crap happen? <laughs> you know, when did beam me up, Scotty, enter your vocabulary? Yep. I know. That was know. the thing that to me was like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. those two factors were just, just hit me this time, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yeah. And and just the way that Leoben is manipulating all that. Cause then you're like, yep. you, you kind of wonder like, did he show up and push the kid down the stairs? Cause I mean, he might have. Well, <laughs> it wouldn't he, surprise me. He he has a track record, <laughs> so and it, yes. and it isn't a good one. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> so 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 we have that playing out. And we'll and we'll we'll kind of sew all this up with with what happens at the end. But but then we get to the the the, the part where yeah. once, meanwhile back at the ranch, once Galactica or, or the Galactica, jumps, <laughs> yeah, once once Galactica jumps back into space, um, now now the beating begins. Um, yes. Now, now that we have the cool maneuver pulled off, and now that there is an opening for the, uh, you know, the the other the other uh, colonial ships to to make their escape, now the base stars start to converge on Galactica, and and yeah. Galactica starts taking a beating. And, and there's and, and there's more. That's oh the yeah. Thing that got me is like another one just jumped into orbit, and 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 just Adama just squinting at the Drade is like. Too yeah. Much. Yeah. Too yeah. Much. I mean that, that that line he has, where I think it's something to the effect of, you know, like like just, it, and you can hear, it's oh. not fear in his voice, but it's, it, but he makes that statement. He's like, we can't hold off four base star. You, you know, yeah. it's just like this was not factored into the plan. <laughs> yeah. And you then know? immediately, like I think I believe, then I believe there was a commercial after that. And when you come oh, back, yeah. yep. things have just gone from like just gone to hell in a handbasket because now there's like everything is sparking and everything is, you know, they're like handing cords over to try and patch stuff. And that's the moment to me that was just like this, this sequence is, is just, it's why this show is so great. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when, when he turns to Hilo and he's just like, and he just jump drive and Hilo just gives him that look like, yeah, just shakes his head. I mean, it's just, it it isn't happening. And, and and then Adama says, then that's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, in that moment, he he just he just accepts what's going to happen, you know, and, and and he and it's like I knew this. Hey, this was part of the. This could have been it. I knew it. And then and then you get that you get that pull away of just a Galactica just getting the piss beat out of it. Right. Because there's no right. other good way to put it. No. And it just getting no. just beaten up and it just pulls out, pulls out, pulls out, and then all of a sudden you see those two missiles come in. Mm-hmm. And then Pegasus. And I, again, that was another one, like, I just I just sat back down on the couch from right. the Adama maneuver, and then I'm back. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Hashtag Fat Apollo to the rescue. Um, oh, my gosh. And, well, and, and you know, again, throughout this episode, I mean, it just, the, the Adamas are just unconventional. And, and you know, the, the context missing here uh, from part one is that, you know, uh, Apollo's mission was to just continue on um, oh my gosh! And, yeah. and and you know he he you know he says a farewell and and 
the idea is he's continuing to look for, for Earth. And so the last thing that William Adam is expecting is for his son to come in and, and do what he does. And so Pegasus just, you know, completely shifts, you know, now that you have two battle stars, you know, completely shifts the balance of, of how this is happening because now the, all of those, all of the base stars are so focused on Galactica. They don't have the ability to respond to what, what Pegasus is doing. And so now Pegasus takes out, I I think a couple base star, at least one base star with the missiles. And then, um, and then basically, you know, Lee orders everyone off the ship and he turns it into just a kamikaze mission with, with the ship where he basically takes out a base star with, with a battle star. Well, no, he takes out one base star with the battle star and then a second bonus yes. base star base ship with with the with a hangar deck. Ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, battle star billiards. Yes, we do, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Now, going back cuz again, I don't want to dive too much into into Exodus part 1 because yeah. we ain't talking about it, but we, you know what? We is talking about it. <laughs> First of all, two things. Two or actually no, three things. First of all, did you love the Rocky II opening of Exodus Part One, where essentially they just replayed the end of Precipice, mm-hmm. like the whole like they just they wholesale lifted it, where they just kind of replay that whole like the execution part, and and then and then just like okay, and now here's the new here we go, you know <laughs> I love that, um, yes. and and then when uh when the second thing uh, Chief going after Callie. Um, mm-hmm. When they when they start when when Ty basically smacks him around, and yep. and, and and basically says you know tells him to calm down and, and get his head about him. He says the last thing you want your kid want you, the last thing your kid wants is me and Ellen for parents. <laughs> That's fantastic, which is so great because then they show them staying there together. It's like oh good lord yes that is the last thing the kid wants. <laughs> get out the door a, and, and get you know get after it, my friend. <laughs> kids gonna have a drinking problem by the time they're five. It's not oh, gonna be good. I don't know if you noticed this, but when when uh, precipice or sorry when occupation starts, I, I talked about the collegiate looking uh, chief yes. Tyrrell. Did you notice that around the time of Exodus Part One, which which again not a whole lot of time has passed across these episodes, they they yeah. happen pretty much in in sequential order, very close to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Callie makes the, the the runaway from the firing squad, and and she meets up with him, uh, no, no more beard. Yeah, he he definitely there was some reshooting I think going on there. I think, I think so too. And, I, and shuffle and I, going around. And it, I, and it, it was startling enough for me to notice. I'm like, Chief, yeah. what what the heck? You you found time during all this to uh, get a shave? Well, <laughs> man wanted to change his appearance. He wanted to, you know he got to toughen up. Got to get the war face on, man. You know this is oh this is serious business. So was it a um, Relco? Was it a Victor Kayam special? I don't know. But oh my gosh, don't bring <laughs> Victor Kayam into this, dear lord. I just forgotten about him. Anyways, <laughs> but but then like the thing that got this this just nailed me. And you and you brought it back, you know, when when he has the farewell with with a uh, when when uh, Adama has the farewell with Lee on the on the hangar deck. And he says to Lee, "Don't make me cry on my own hangar deck." Oh gosh. I was I I can't yep. write what I actually wrote, but it's it's our variation of frack. Um, I think I can read it. Uh, it's got a little dusty in the room, didn't it? Yeah. And then, and then as Lee, as you know, as Lee, you know, hashtag fat Apollo is getting onto his Raptor to get <laughs> off to leave. Then you have Adama just pull one of those m- moments of like, you know, commander of the Pegasus departing and everyone oh, yeah. salutes. I mean, the respect. 
the you know I I respect it was it was dusty it got damn dusty at that point <laughs> I was I oh was my oh my gosh and yeah. and also another note on this is we this is kind of the episode where we find out that downloads get worse for mm. the for the, the the humanoid Cylons as well as Cavill's talking about how bad it is this time to download yeah um yeah. I thought that was just kind of worth noting because that'll also mm-hmm. it's kind of it, it kind of me- bears mentioning just because we're going to I want to bring that up later on in one of my episodes. But anyways, going back to uh, Exodus part two, I feel like I've I've pirated this episode from you, sir. And I, I apologize. No, no. So so we, we have Leodama playing Battlestar Billiards where he uh, takes out a base star with a nice, you know, seven ten split. Um, yep. I guess that's a bowling Term, that is that is definitely term. bowling, yes. But uh, we'll we'll work it both in there. Um, yeah. And then uh, I I kind of want to just jump to the ending, just for the two the, the the two main kind of impactful moments, at least for me, was yeah. One was um, you know once everyone is back in the ship, there's there's tremendous celebration in the hangar deck. Um, they they escaped. They uh, you know as the title was was called you know uh, as the episode was called Exodus. They mm-hmm. successfully made their exodus away uh, from New Caprica, and they're celebrating this. And um, and Adama is just, you know, he, he goes up on a couple people's shoulders, and he's hailed this hero. And then you see Ty, and yes. he just just so well acted. I mean, Saul, Ty, that, that character says nothing, and you just mm-hmm. see the, the scars of what has happened. And, yeah. and you just see William Adama and Saul Tai in two very, very different places at that moment. Well, not, not only like not only Adama on people's shoulders, but Tai limping yeah. away. Oh, yeah. With, an, with one eye missing, like about as broken as a person can be yep. and still be able to move under their own power. Yeah. And and, 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 and that stood out to me. It, it, was, it was a very powerful scene because, again, these two have, have been together through things and you see that they are so far apart right now in terms of where, where they are mentally, you know? Yeah. Well, but even before that, because you have when Ty is getting off the Raptor, he kind of he says to Adama, you know, permission to come aboard kind of thing, like almost like, hey, Bill, it's good to see you. And, and Adama has that moment where he says to him, he's, he says, you brought him home. You brought him home. Like he's giving him, he's giving him credit. Like you held him together. Like you were right. the top guy there and you did it. Mm-hmm. And Saul is so close to just breaking down. And you can, he, I mean, good Lord. Michael oh, Hogan yeah. did such a fantastic job with just that one line of not all of them. Yeah. Oh, and the gosh. way his voice like breaks in it, that just hit me like a, I might yep. as well have gotten punched in the stomach when that line came out. A lot it of just, dustiness in the room during this episode, my friend. Oh, <laughs> Exodus one and two, like watching those back to back. Good, sweet Lord. I mean, yeah, uh, I, might as, I might as well have been watching beaches after a bottle of wine or something. I don't know what the <laughs> heck it was. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I always like to surprise you. You do, um, like a Pegasus, yeah. like, like Pegasus showing up to save the day. I wasn't expecting it. But yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was. That is, and I noticed that difference between Adama and Ty too. Like it is, it is like the high and the low. Yeah. Oh it yeah. The, the heights of celebration and the pits of despair. Yeah. Because even though he he survived, and this is another thing that'll come back in, in another one of my episodes. Like Ty, even though he survived, like man, he, he survived. But what what did it take? Right. 
what cost right you know yeah he he succeeded but there there was a toll exacted upon him that yeah plays out over pretty much a wide um a, a pretty wide span of time um in this in this first half of season three yeah, almost. I mean, pretty much the entirety of it, really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not until the very end that he finally shows up for duty. And yeah, and for real. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to mention kind of the Adama at the end, where he's you know you get kind of the 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 comparison of before when he's walking around where like half the light bulbs are out and stuff, and this time he's walking around and it's like he's almost looking around like at a family gathering, like it's Thanksgiving. And yeah. he gets a chance to look at everybody. Yeah. You know? Oh, and actually, you know what? We <laughs> Go back to what you were going to say, because you might actually bring up the thing that I have completely missed talking about for this entire episode. Well, no, no. I, I was just going to bring up the second factor, which was, um, you know, Starbuck and what we think is her daughter. And then mm. what ends up happening there where a woman comes and, you know, claims claims her as her daughter in just yeah. that, you know, that, that she thought she lost her during the exodus and so forth. And so, um, and Starbuck has, you know, she doesn't fight it. You know, she, she, uh, she capitulates and, you know, the, the, the girl who, you know, the name is, is the same, you know, I think her name was Casey. Yes. Um, but you know, she, she just lets it go. And, and you can just see that Leoben has exacted a toll on her now. Yeah. That that she, that she now has experienced, you know what what it's like to be a parent um, in that short period of time, and then to have that that child that you know she clearly had bonded with and had affection for ripped away from her. Yeah, and and what that starts to do to her, and so she, um, you know, again is is a, another example of someone who's broken, but in a very different way, in, in a much more psychological and emotional way than you know, what Ty has been through. I mean, Ty has been through something emotional as well, but I don't think Ty was necessarily, it was psychological for him. I think, you know, for, for Starbuck, it was just different. Yeah. It, well, I mean, for Ty, it was physical and psychological, but for, right, for right. Starbuck, it was exclusively like a very focused, you know, mind frack sort of situation. Like it was just, it was all playing with her emotions and, and, and really just pitting her against herself with Leoben. Right. Exactly. Um, the one what, thing that we, what was the thing you were going to raise? The thing I, we didn't even talk about Baltar and Hera. I mean, oh, holy crap! And yes. so at one point, so yes. everything is going down with all this, and you have you have Baltar still in Colonial One because I mean he doesn't know what the hell is going to happen next. Also known as the Love Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> The smell of Colonial One. Just, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Again, I question Rosalind's wisdom in going back to that ship to be the uh, capital uh, ship, so to speak. They, they should have just like gone back. Like The episode after this one just had a bunch of those little hanging Christmas trees all over the place. <laughs> Ma'am, it's going to take us about five years to fumigate this all. <laughs> yeah. We need to stop at the next habitable planet and just air this sucker out a little bit. That's nasty. Um, but no, so you have you have Gata show up, and he's he he's going to take out Baltar because we find out he's right. also been the one feeding information to the resistance. And you know this idea of like he believed in the dream of Gaius Baltar, and Baltar at this point is just he's lost it. I mean, let's just face it. I don't even think he's trying to play anything. I think he is just tired and beaten down, and he's like, you know what? Go ahead. You know, right. I'm the only one. She's, you know, there's a silent out there who's going to set off and nuke, and I'm the only one who can stop her, but go ahead and do it anyways because I could care less. And the whole line of like, either way, the human race dies with me. It's like, 
Yeah. Good lord! I mean, what a what kind of a dead man switch crap is this? <laughs> like, right, right. Well, and, good and, lord. And, and, and you know, throughout the this half of the season, I think we see the weight of his sins, you know, taking its toll on him. You oh know, yeah, that that, that oh, he's. Yeah. He is, uh, you know, he also is in a very damaged and broken place where, you know, for, for as for as much as his character has put humanity in a very precarious position twice, um, you know, and the, counting the beauty of his character. Yeah, twice and counting the, the beauty, though, of his character, though, is that there's always on the periphery a his humanity, you know, that that, that he, he isn't just a clear black and white villain. He is someone who. Um, you know, he, he recognizes the good in people. You know, we talked about the respect he had for Rosalind, you know, like if, if he was truly like a, a, a straight up, you know, heel, like in, in wrestling parlances or, or a bad guy, you know, he, he wouldn't have that, you know, he, yeah. he wouldn't really care about anyone else except for himself. Now he does exhibit that, but he also does seem to care about what his actions have led to. Yeah. And and to your point, yeah, I mean, he, he you know, we end up finding out that the mother that Hera, so Hera, again, was uh, Carl Agathon and, and Boomer's uh, or uh, Athena's daughter. Yeah. So the first human Cylon hybrid um, was given to a woman in the fleet. And that woman was near Roslyn uh, on New Caprica while she was a teacher. Um, but she died during the Exodus. And so um, and so Baltar and Six um, find her. And yeah. they, they, they take her and they bring her back. Um, well, no, they, they give her to Deanna. Oh, remember? that's right. Thank you. Cause, yes. Because Deanna went to uh, Amanda Plummer. This place, a coffee shop. For those of you who don't know, Honey Bunny from uh, Pulp Fiction. I love you, pumpkin. I love you, Honey Bunny. Uh, and <laughs> she essentially was, the thing that re-watching this, I was like, oh my gosh, she's essentially playing Dennis Hopper's character from Apocalypse Now. I'm an American. Yeah. That's that's who this reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. And and oh my gosh, she is so weird. But mm-hmm. tells her, you know, you'll hold Hera and you will know true love. Yeah. And and so Deanna, they give the child to Deanna, and 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 Caprica basically says she's not going to set off the nuke now. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's. But to leave that out because again, like. That's no little deal, but again, there's so much stuff happening in this episode. Oh, it's it's incredible. It's 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 so layered, and there's just so, like you said, so much going on that it's just it's so good. It's and the, and that they could fit all this in is amazing. And, it's and amazing we, writing and weave it together in a very smooth way. I mean, when when you brought up when we talked about Pegasus, you actually forget about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like like you're you're so focused on the action going on and what's going on with Galactica that you totally forget that Pegasus is even there. And and yeah, the, the the way they weave it all together is just brilliant. Well, and it's partly because and, and this is going to be a something to talk about with uh, with other episodes, but they get away with some of this stuff that could be trite or or could be kind of oh yeah, that's the same old thing. They they get away with it because the characters are so good. The characters are what draw you away from some of this obvious stuff that right. you could, I mean, you could foresee it. If you, I mean, I guess if you were just a party pooper and you don't concentrate on characters or any, you don't get emotionally involved in anything and you're some sort of cyborg, you know, D-bag, I guess. I don't know. That's, right. that's, a, that's a harsh way of putting it, but uh, true. Um, so if, if you're that kind of, if, if that's where you're at, yeah, you could see it all coming, but if you actually get involved in it and you and you are following it and allow yourself to just kind of absorb the story 
and the characters, that's what pulls you out of it. That's what really, because you get so in-depth with these characters because they're written and acted and directed so well yeah. that you can forget, like, oh, yeah, there's another Battlestar out there, isn't there? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, oh, yeah, we I forgot about this part or this part or this part or this part. Or, hey, that's a really obvious, like, sci-fi trope. Mm-hmm. But because this, the characters are so good yeah. and they're so well done, all right, fine. That's good. I'll 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 let it go. You know. Yeah. yeah. I'll allow it. Anyways, I fantastic episodes. Any oh, last yeah. thoughts on that? Because again, I could talk about it for six hours. And no, you know, no, I I, I think we hit all the high points. I um I I think it was just just a phenomenal episode all around. Um, just so many layers to it, and and again, you know, it just um it it, it wrapped up this this kind of four episode arc that started in season at the end of season two with, with them making landfall and, and actually trying to, to repopulate, um, you know, a planet of sorts. And now, now they're back in the Galactica and, and the fleet. And, you know, what, one thing I appreciate and, and it shows throughout the episodes in, in this half of the season is now Galactica is a whole lot more populated than it even was in season one and two. And, and, yeah. and I think we're starting to see now, and, and it was again, just brilliant, thought you know by by the writers and and those who produced the show to recognize that now that cloud nine is no longer there because let's be honest i think cloud nine was where most of the population was you know hanging out and doing its thing um now galactica is is the biggest ship or one of the bigger ships in the fleet and yeah and and every scene you see in galactica it's just swarming with people now Yep. You know, because it's just it's so highly populated because that's where people have to go. So it's it's just interesting to see that even even from the ship's perspective, it's 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 uh, presence has changed somewhat to, to being more of a home than just a military vessel. Uh, next episode is episode five in the series order, and it's called Collaborators. Yes. And Wikipedia speak thusly. The Circle a secret tribunal on board Galactica decides the fate of colonials who collaborated with the Cylons during the occupation of New Caprica. And this is one of your episodes, sir, so you lead us off on this discussion. Yes, and when they say the circle, they don't mean the movie that came out a couple of years ago. About... They don't? No, no. Remember that movie? I, I think was, I was, was wondering Hanks why it didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was a, it was a bad. No, Tom Hanks wasn't in it. Wasn't it Nicole Kidman? Like it was in the U.S. version because wasn't it originally a Japanese film? No. Oh, you're thinking of the heart. Oh, you know, I'm thinking I think you're thinking of The Ring. Oh, I am. Yes, I am. the, The Circle is a book that's basically taking kind of tropes from Silicon Valley and, you know, companies like Apple and and Facebook and so forth and, and the culture that exists out there. And it's about this girl who kind of makes her way into this, uh, uh, you know, this tech company and just how the technology just kind of pervades everyone's privacy and stuff. It, it, it sounded really great in concept, but it did not play out well as a movie. Oh, interesting. I, th- I, I think it was Tom Hanks who was in Cause he's supposed to be like, kind of like the, the Steve jobs of that company, you know? And it was, it was, uh, I remember going to the theater to see it and thinking, "Oh, sweet Moses! Two hours I'll never get back in my life." Yes, it is. It was a uh, it was a Tom Hanks, Emma Watson. Emma Watson, that's right. Yeah. John Boyega with the resistance. Yeah, I am with the resistance. Mm-hmm. Who vehicle. actually he shows up for like one part of the movie and then he really doesn't play much of a role. After. It was very strange. It was just a very strange. It was a myth. This is a really interesting. Uh, uh, casting here because I'm looking at the the uh, the IMDb page. So you've got Emma Watson, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then you got Bill Paxton. Game over, man. Oh yes. Yep. And then uh, and then Karen Gillan. Oh, typical bloke, straight to fixing his motor. Uh, then you have Tom Hanks, Beck, who played himself, and um, and then John Boyega is like, he's like all the way down the page. Uh, uh, that as, sounds about right, given his impact in the movie. So yeah. <laughs> So I just thought that was a, it was kind of interesting. It was kind of this weird mixture of people. I don't know if I if I ever saw even any kind of commercial or or posting for any, it wasn't publicized very me. well. And I think I understand why after I saw it. Well, okay, then let's let's just but, say that but let's I was wrong. Let's move on to a better version you were right. of the circle. Hey, well, you know, yeah, uh, you just call them like you see them, man. <laughs> So, so hit me up with this. What was what would you like about this one? So th- this one takes place after Exodus Part Two, and and in terms of the reality of of the fleet's life now, this this makes some sense, um, especially for the principles involved, because what we start to see um, throughout the episode is the persecution now of those who were helping the Cylons, and so mm. during the New Caprica occupation. Uh, humans volunteered to be a police force Hit me! that was backed by the Cylons to keep order. And in doing so, they essentially were, were turning against their own. And what you see play out in the episode is just that there is very little fact-finding going on. This is all basically hearsay and, and observation and um, well, rumor that, that drives a lot of this. Um, I don't know about that because there is that scene where Ty talks about about you know they look at the evidence they do this they do that and remember the the one where he basically takes that guy Connor and he like slams his head on the table because mm-hmm. he basically so, talks when they get to well when they get to a person because I'll let you go through it when they get to one person he's like you know we read the evidence we do this we do that and we just don't execute people on you know whatever I mean and, I, I, but, granted but, a uh, lot of it is like going to be secondhand but some of it is like. But that's exactly what they do. I mean, what Saul describes them not doing, like you just said, is really what they do, though. Because yeah, even yeah. if the evidence points in a different direction, and we see this play out with with uh, with with Gaeta, is is the fact that when the evidence becomes cloudy and they can't really make a case, Saul starts to twist things around um, because he's on a mission. You know, he's yeah. he's looking to fill a void and he's looking to soothe the pain that he's feeling right now and and it becomes very evident as this episode goes on that he really isn't all that interested in the truth you can't handle the truth he's interested in making people hurt the way that he's hurting right now well i think it's interesting because it's one of those deals where um you know where did i uh i i think the the part of the pro part of the issue in this is that this is something that you know a lot of people would would actually they wouldn't like to say it out loud but this is the kind of justice that a lot of people would want mm-hmm. yeah like instead of like long drawn out trials and people being martyrs like right. nope they just disappear they're out in the airlock and they're just gone yes and it's yes. just it's cleaner and neater but and i guess you could even say like oh well see it works well until it gets personal until right. you know until ty has an axe to grind until right. connor is talking about hey you saw an order where my kid got killed kind of thing and then it's like you can say whatever you want and right. it doesn't matter it's just funny sir so yes you're right you're right in that no it's not it's tragic well and and, and it plays out gradually across the episode it's not yeah because the because the first person we see go through this is jammer who 
Oh my gosh. Jammer who has had been a, you know, somewhat of a regular on the deck, um, mm-hmm. you know, became part of this police. He rounded up people for the public executions that they were doing to, to try to bring some order to all of this. He did let Callie go. Um, so Callie, who is Tyrrell's wife was collected as one of the roundups. And then he saw her and they had served on the deck together. And, and out of a sense of, their friendship, um, he and, and just knowing who she is and, and who she, you know, what she means to, to the chief, he lets her go. Yeah. Um, and he tries to play that up and they there's no one to corroborate it. There's no evidence to help back it up. There's nothing. And mm-hmm. so we see it play out where, yeah, the evidence is against him. He volunteered for this. He carried out the, the roundups and was, you know, one of the reasons that some you know, some of the, the colonials died um, by execution. And so we see him, you know, his punishment is to go out the airlock. Gotta go, gotta um, go. Which is and not just an airlock. He goes out the viper tube and he yep. bangs his head. <laughs> it's, well, it's like to quote hot dog. Well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's like it's like the it's like a, a, the end of Titanic where the, the dude falls off the back of the ship after, as it's gone, like completely vertical. And yep. he bangs off one of the screws you're like oh as if that isn't bad enough like yes. you know yes <laughs> Thong. I mean, yeah so, and geez. and and so i think the episode plays out as just kind of a um you know kind of a tale of what happens when people who are emotionally and psychologically not in in the right place after a traumatic event like this when they are put in this position and we end up finding out you know toward the end of the episode um, that it was, um, it was Zarek who right now is serving as president of the 12. Yeah. Colonies, that Zarek is the one who ordered or who agreed to this because he was trying to avoid these long drawn out trials and, and fracturing the fleet and, and, and having there be a lot of division. And, and what's interesting about that, and we haven't yeah, talked yeah. a lot about this is Zarek throughout all of this actually is, is being quite a reasonable and, um, and, and thoughtful person, you know, that, that he is not being the scumbag that we thought he was going to be when put into this position. It's interesting to see how his his tone changes when he's no longer kind of the martyr to the cause. Right. Uh, you know, who's writing his books and, and, and sneaking them out of prison in the celebrity, uh, you know, celebrity prisoner. Right. And now all of a sudden, you know, he got lined up by a firing squad. Now all of a sudden the shoes on the other foot and and he. He didn't like that. No, no, and, and but but, like but we that. see him and Rosalind um, have a very cordial uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, he he just seems more thoughtful than he did in prior seasons um, b- because but of I, the events. But I still think there's an undercurrent of the old of of of, of just regular Tom. I don't going to say the old Tom Zarek. I don't think it ever goes away. He's always looking to get his somehow, and in and in this again, it's personal. He wants revenge. He wants these people dead. Yeah. And so that's why he gave the order. And he, pr- he, he gives it, he frames it like, oh, wouldn't, it's going to be, it's going to allow you to start your presidency fresh. Right. You know, without any of these trials, without any of this and that and the other. No blood on your hands. I'll do it. Right, right. And, and, and that's the and rationalization. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but at the same time, I get the satisfaction of knowing that I shoved a whole lot of people out of an airwalk. Yeah. Who might have been responsible for me being locked up on New Caprica and uh, and almost being like this close to getting shot. So I mean he's getting his. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's trying to sell it as like, "Oh, look what I'm doing for you." 
but he, you know, he just really wants to make sure that you know, yeah, these people pay. And and kind of like, and 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 the person who ends up being um, somewhat of a um, well, linchpin's not the right term, but but someone who is trying to, I think, better term is trying to be the conscience consciousness of this group yeah. is Anders. Yeah. Um. And and when he starts to see the way that when the evidence isn't pointing in the direction that Saul and others want, wanted to go because they, they have already, I mean, in each of these instances, they have already pretty much made up their minds. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? What they feel about these, these people. I mean, it's, it's not uh, very often. I, I don't recall, and, and I should have made some notes on this, but I, I, maybe you would know. I don't think we see them ever talk about someone and rescind an execution. I think there, when there's question, they begin to drill in more into the, uh, um, you know, the speculative to convince themselves that they need to carry out the punishment. Well, I think they definitely do with uh, with Gaeta. There's there's really there's only one. I mean, Gaeta is a main case that they consider in 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 the course yes. of this episode. We yeah. see the end result of Jammer's case. Um, right, right. J- Jammer's then, Jammer just he he doesn't and it ends up being in. What's interesting about Gaeta is there's one key fact that comes out at the end, which we'll get to, but, yeah. but Jammer doesn't have that luxury. He, he basically no. crossed a line and he paid a price for it regardless of what he did for Callie. Yeah, and, and, and you even have that scene where, where Chief is asking Callie and she's like, oh yeah, there was this one guy. And yeah. so Chief kind of was like, oh man, he was telling the truth. But he even it even even in that moment he was they they kind of asked him, would it make a difference? You know, right. like this this was my kid. Would that would what he did for your wife make a difference for these dead people? Right. And he kind of had to answer that question. Like it didn't let him off the hook completely, but it did. It it, it was enough to give him a little bit of like, oh man, that right. was right. Right. That was right. And yeah, and so when we get to to Gaida, it 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 turns into, um, you know, again a, a challenge for them because, um, you know, again he's he's uh, you know claiming that he was helping them the entire time. Yeah. Um, you know that the but but they don't want to hear it. You know they yeah. they they don't really want to hear what he's done. They only see him as the man who was a stooge for Baltar. And and who, you know, carried out the orders and who, you know, was was a part of what had happened, Mm -hmm. which in fairness, I mean, you hear something like that. Would you believe it? I mean, it's kind of it's it's a wild story, almost as like like Jammer, like people are going to beg for their life. People are going to beg for their life. You know, it's one of those things that to me, it adds it adds that depth because it, it has enough of the whiff of believability. Yeah. To, well, to and, make it work. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is when Anders recuses himself, then Saul of I think it's Saul of all people goes and fetches um Starbuck. Yeah, because they need six. They, they, like well, his rules. They his need rules six but he could have sought out anyone and he seeks out someone who he knows has a chip on her shoulder. Oh yeah, totally. And Which again and, it is it is that weird thing like the this whole thing started with Starbuck coming over a table at, at Saul right. and, and that's where who he goes to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's one of those things where you're not quite sure if Saul knows, you know, like how she's hurting. But I, I think he knows that she's, you know, 
you know, she, she's, you know, she's still Starbuck, but, but there's something where she's on edge, you know? And yeah. And he's still in war mode. He's yeah. still in resistance. Like I will do whatever mode and he's hurting himself. And, and yeah. And he's hurting himself, but he, it, I think he's still in that mode of using people as chess pieces to achieve what he feels is justice, which is the people who turn their backs on the colonials are, are the enemy and they need to yeah, pay totally. a price for, for their, for their, uh, you know, for their lack of loyalty. So, um, so it was very interesting to see that play out. And then with, and with Gaida, you know, it, it ends up where, um, uh, throughout the, the occupation on new, pa- on new Caprica, what the way he would, you know, pass along information was, I, I think, um, he would stuff it into this, I forget what it was. It was a box or a, or something rather, but he would flip a dog bowl. Yes. And that would be a sign to Tyrrell that there was a new message. And, yeah. and that was how he was feeding them information. And, and that was the key thing. That was the thing Jammer didn't have. That, that that basically provided, you know, some clearance for him where they're like, oh, crap, this guy who we think is, you know, the worst is the main reason we were able to get our rear ends off of that planet. Yeah. You know, like, like as much as Gaida was in the wrong for being with Baltar and for aligning himself that way, he was really the key piece for them. Without him, they don't do what they do. Yeah. And the fact is, like, it, it only it really only comes out because Starbuck isn't willing to let it go with just a just an execution. Like she wants like what Jammer did. She wants that satisfaction. She wants the right. person to beg. He she wants to see that. And he won't do it. Yep. yep. And 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 then, you know, she freaks out and then you you get this whole thing where she talks about what he has said. And and that's like that's where the information comes out. He doesn't reveal it. Like he won't give it up. Yeah, which I thought I, was it was such a uh, such a great way because it, it completely just like backs, it puts Starbuck and Ty into such a tailspin. Well, in the last and, an episode or two. Yeah, and and I like the note here from from Battlestar Wiki, um, where it basically says Colonel Ty stands speechless at the revelation again, the revelation of of him being the source uh, for their information. Uh, confused yeah. between his own certainty and the facts before him. And, 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 and that I think is the key theme throughout the episode is that there is the certainty that these people feel based on the emotional state that they're in. Mm-hmm. And then there's the facts of what happened and the, and, and the reality of them not letting the facts dictate their actions, that, that it was them carrying out punishments based on their feelings and opinions and not on the fact of who these people were. And, and, and you can see, on their faces when they realize what Gaeta had done that it, it just, I think that kind of ends it for them, you know, that, that it's like, okay, we got to take a step back from this because we're putting people at the airlock that may have been instrumental in getting us off that, that planet. Um, well, I think, I think the interesting thing is that it puts, it puts Starbuck and Ty into this place of now they don't know what's what. Because uh, Ty had, had a very public moment with Gaeta in CIC, right? Because they had brought Gaeta in to to look at some stuff in CIC. I don't think he was back in back in uniform at that point, but Ty was. Ty at this point is an officer. Like Adama has brought him back as his XO, yeah. and he was in CIC, and he starts he starts in on Gaeta, and Adama backs him down, pretty yeah. kind of harshly, and and Ty has this moment where it's like the closest he ever has come so far to like outright insubordination against Adama. Yeah. Because again, he, he is just not the same person. 
And right, I thought that was because right. he goes from that point back to, you know, I was wrong. And now I have to live with all of this. Like I was about to execute. I was about to execute an innocent person. And in some ways, it's like, dude, you sent people off to like w- with bombs strapped to their bodies. Right. But this is a whole other thing to him. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, and I think it brings out the complexity of that situation for them. I, I think, you know, those who had gone into the this new Caprica police force, I think, um, you know, like in Jammer's case, I mean, there, there, there was an evil intent to to inflict damage on their own. I think it was, you know, people trying to provide some order and, and, you know, try to provide, you know, like, like be a layer between themselves and and the Cylons. And so not every person who joined that was, was necessarily betraying the colonials, but they all very much felt that way Mm -hmm. because how, how, how can you now go and essentially work for the very people that have, have in a way enslaved us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it, it, you know, again, they, they do this brilliant job of examining the complexities of this of, of these different situations and how people make choices. And it isn't as cut and dry as we all think, you know, that 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 there are layers to these decisions. And, uh, and it was just very interesting. Um, it was it was a very interesting episode, especially because with with Felix Gaeta, he represented everything to the very movement that that Saul Tai was leading. And and he yeah. and he had no idea until that final revelation, and then it was like, we we got to just step back from this. This this is this is not, you know, th- this is not what this was supposed to be. Yeah, and um, you even you even had uh, you know Tyrrell with that little speech. I think it was in Exodus two, Exodus part two, where he's talking about you know when 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 stuff hits, you know, you, people like you and me, and he's talking to Gata are going to be the ones that you know who are holding the rope. And yeah. we're going to make sure that the knots are tight, something like that, you know, and to be then then he's like he's got Gata, you know, in a in a viper tube and going to like open up the doors on him. It's like such a weird turn of events. But yeah, just the idea of like, yeah, this is right after all this happened. It's going to be confusion. It's going to be messy. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. passionate. It's going to be just crazy. Yeah, so so for for me that that was uh, th- those were the key points, and then of course at the end you have um, Zarek um, handing the presidency over to Rosalind, so she she is back in in power now, um, mainly because of the the catastrophe that was Gaius Baltar. Struck a nerve, have I? Yeah. Um, and 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 Zarek knows he has to. There, there's just no way around it. A- after everything that's happened, you know, Rosalind was the most stable you know, leader they've had and, and clearly, you know, her wisdom and her leadership, uh, and the lack of it was, was shown, you know, with, with, with Baltar's, uh, reign of terror, so to speak. Yeah. No more Mr. Nice Guys! And then she issues a blanket pardon, essentially, like just right. pardons every, everyone yep. to, to, and, and issues that whole like justice and reconciliation deal. Yeah. Um, which is it, in some ways it's kind of a, it's a real nice, you know, neat way to tie it up as a writer, but it also reflects like this is kind of what you're going to have to deal with. Like there, right. at a certain point, you have to say enough is enough because what, how far are you going to go down that road? Right. Like you know what I saw you, you know, you didn't, you didn't participate. You never shot a Cylon, so right. therefore you were with them. You know, right. how far do you get to that point? Right, and 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 that's why I think Zarek had a point because he he was absolutely right. If if they let this drag out, it is going to fracture the fleet. The, the, oh, there's totally. going to be those who were 
who were enslaved and captured uh, and, and, you know, who were, who were uh, uh, persecuted. And then you have those that were doing the persecuting, you know, yeah. and, and so to, to issue that is, is it, yeah, it, it's a nice way to kind of put a bow on it, but at the same time, you can't have the fleet move forward in any sort of unified way without it. Yeah. So moving on to our next episode, we will go uh, to one of mine. So this is episode eight in the series, and it is called Hero. Adama confronts one of the darkest moments of his career when Bulldog Novacek, a pilot who was thought to have died years ago during a secret mission, escapes the Cylons and arrives on Galactica. Um, there was a there was a lot about this episode that I liked, um, and I think it was it was an episode that I had I had it's it's easy to forget because it really is it's a one off and and with with uh, with Battlestar so many of the episodes tie into the others and the story arcs are so overlapping and and can reach so far and effects from one episode can reach into new other seasons even but not have have this huge tie like all of a sudden it comes together like oh wait i remember that from a season and a half ago uh this is really really kind of uh about as self-contained an episode as you can have even though it does tie into stuff it is one of those ones that you can kind of i has certainly forgotten right right and uh and and i believe when i'd watched this before it was an episode that i kind of was like oh yeah that was good and moved on to the next one this time I, i watched it i'm like wow this actually does address a lot of the fundamental issues that are are part of what makes this show really good to me. Right, um, right. And so, I mean, it, I love the fact that at the at the top of the episode, they're going back to it's like in the beginning, and and I mean, when they're talking about in the beginning, they're not talking about like oh yeah, a, a little while ago. No, we're we're talking like Genesis chapter one verse one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking the beginning, we're talking the beginning. Uh, I mean, we're going back to Armistice Station getting blown up, and the like the opening scenes of the miniseries, which I just love because it really brings you all the way back, and you and you realize like, oh my gosh, so much has freaking happened right, since right. that. Yeah, like this is where we started. Like it was a way to really just kind of like. Let's put you into the Wayback Machine and let's see, you know, remember this? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's what I meant at the top of the show when we were talking, when we first, you know, got into this, that, yeah, it, it, it's like the 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 attack on Caprica just feels so far away. And, yeah. and, and in some ways, who these people were when they first, um, when we first, you know, were introduced to them as viewers of the show, are, they're, they're very different from, from who they were. So it's, yeah. it's very interesting to kind of revisit that. Like you said, it feels very foreign. Yeah. And I love how they use that as a vehicle to go back and then like get you back to that spot. And, and, and it's kind of a nice way. It's, it's a, it's almost like a little rest area, you know, like we're, we know we're going to flash you back even further, but rather than take you all the way back first, we're going to take you back part way. Right. And then we're going to take you back further from there to give you a little bit of a moment to acclimate yourself to like, oh, yeah, before the Cylons like nuked all the colonies and killed all the humans and destroyed all the battle stars except for this one and and one Pegasus. But, you know, (laughs) because we didn't know that then. But I mean, now, you know, and now, you you know, that's the way it is. But uh, so but it kind of gives you this little bit of a a breather. To kind of, to to get acclimated to 
what life in the colonies was like right, right when right. this happened. So then it, it makes the rest of the episode kind of, it frames it in a certain way. Yeah. Um, because now we have another Adama secret besides the fact that he don't know where Earth is. You know, that was really his big secret coming out of the miniseries. Like he says, I know where Earth is. And he don't. Um, but this this idea that there was this mission, right, you know, the right. secret mission before the the Cylons launched their attack um, and that he he sent someone into Cylon territory and that this 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 mission cost him his kind of real command. Like he had he had command of an actual battle star that was like one of the new ones, like a prime ship. Right. And this mission cost him that command, and it landed him on Galactica, where he was essentially like he was put out to pasture. He was put out to pasture gently, you know, more than likely because he was a, he was a war hero from the first Cylon War, and you know had acquitted himself probably fairly well and made some friends. But you know, obviously he was he was thought very highly of to get a mission like this. What was it? The Valkyrie, I think, was the name of the battle star that he had before the the Galactica. I think so. Um, and then he then he was given the Galactica and knowing that like this battle star is going to be retired. But that idea like this he has this other secret that we don't know about that we that, that he's been carrying this whole time is just like whoa. And and to be able to do, to weave that in so deftly with everything that we know mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And then this and tie uh, so basically you find out that uh, that this uh, bulldog, this pilot, had escaped from the Cylons, and he he captured a raider. So it, it kind of also sets him up as like this is a Starbuck-like character. Like that was the thing that I kind of realized. Like, oh, that's such an easy way because who else has stolen a raider and managed to pilot it and all this stuff and gotten away and 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 done all these things? Starbuck. Well, Starbuck's an ace pilot. Right. So now you kind of get this feeling about this guy. Like he must have been just like you know, kind of a Starbuck character. Like, that's why he got picked for this mission. That's why he was able to escape. That's why he was able to steal a, a Cylon Raider. Did, All of that, did you know, they kind ever, of shorthand. Yeah, did, did they ever address in the episode, because th- this kind of nagged at me as I watched it, how did he know to jump where he did? You know what I mean? Like, like how did he find them? Like, you figure well, in the vastness of space. Now, granted, you know, he was a, a prisoner on a base star, and the base stars are, are somewhat close to where they are. Um, so I'll, I'll grant it that. Yeah. But but I, I still had this feeling of like it just seems so weird that he found his way there. Well, and this is the thing, and, and this is what we kind of talked about earlier, is because they did such a great job with the characters and they and, and just kind of really exploring this universe that they that they have. Right. Even even though I mean they don't have they have t- kind of two points of view and all this, but they did such a great job of, of painting this for us that you don't necessarily notice these things when they come up as much, as easily. You know, like, right. when you think about it, like, the Cylons letting Bulldog escape to kill Adama, uh, the way I, I would term that is it's it's a total convoluted, like, Rube Goldberg slash Wiley Coyote kind of plan. Like, they might as well have just slapped Acme on the side of that raider <laughs> with, like, a big old like red firecracker rocket on top of it that's lit which I which mean, starbuck eventually figures out when she's watching like the the the, the film of the uh of the uh, exchange yeah that they had. yeah i mean it, and it, it is it is sort of that like oh like it's one of those things and it is like this kind of convoluted sort of thing like well why would they right. send this guy to kill adama why wouldn't they just go and kill adama but 
that doesn't serve the purposes of the story. But at the time, you don't necessarily think about that because, again, it's adding to the characters and you bring in a new character and it's really it's furthering the story of all the other characters that are there. Like it serves the story so well that you're like, it's almost one of those deals like with some of the other episodes we talked about. Like this is so like just trite. Like we've seen this kind of episode, but you're like, I'll let it go because they don't they don't hammer you every week with this episode. Like it's not like Fonzie jumping the shark every episode. Like they, they pick their spots and then when they do it, they do it really well. You know, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the, one of the best lines out of this is when Bulldog goes to Ty and, and it really explains a lot about Ty and it goes back to kind of, uh, you know, the end of Exodus part two and Ty says, sometimes surviving can be its own death sentence. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Very good line. So much about Ty and also just kind of the story in general. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the story of all of these, the story of, of this, this show in, in its entirety. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great pick uh, or, or it's a great note you took from, from the episode because yeah, I mean, it, it does have that layered effect of what the, what the episode is about, what, um, what they're going through in that season, and then just in general, what the show is. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's. Yeah. I didn't think I. I heard that line, but I never thought of it that way. And um, I, I was thinking of it merely from the perspective of what you know Saul has been going through. You know, in the moment of that of the season with with the escape and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's spot on. And if that's all they had really intended with it, I mean, that's enough. That's enough right there. That that packs a wallop. But it does. It also applies in a in in several other layers, which is incredible. And then, of course, you also then it comes back to you know. So Ty Adama tells Rosalind this whole story about uh, Toron miners and all this stuff, and she ain't buying it because at this point <laughs> she's she's like, dude, I've hung around with you long enough. I kind of know when you're bsing me. Right. Like, right. You think you're sweet talking me and baffling me with all this military stuff, but. Uh uh-uh. uh, no. I'm 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 a pretty sharp cookie. I I I know that you're BSing me, but I'm right, not gonna push right. you on it because I think you're kind of cute. Oh, good lord. <laughs> hey, let's it let's let's just be honest. Laura and 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 Bill, you know, it's like me and Mrs. Jones. We mm-hmm. got a thing going on. I mean, come on. That's it. Yeah. Um. So anyway. But basically, it comes down to, like, Adama blames himself for the attack on the colonies. Like, mm-hmm. he feels that this mission that, that was sent into Cylon territory, the Cylons were in were intercepting this stealth ship that they were sending over into the Cylon territory to spy on them. And he ended up shooting Bulldog down to destroy the ship. Right. Take take the evidence out. Yeah. And, and it almost ends up like a, like a Francis Powers... U two sort of thing, like the right. pilots were were not supposed to survive, right? Right. And, and Bulldog kind of makes that mistake of of ejecting and surviving, like yeah, th- you know that they weren't supposed to do that, um, and so it ends up causing more of a, a controversy. Uh, but he kind of blames himself, and 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 you kind of wonder, like, has he been carrying this the whole time in the back of his head? And, and how has that influenced his decisions and the way that he has approached, you know, everything since the attack? Right. And is that why he and, it, and could that be why he reacted the way he did when 
the atta- when the notice of the attack came and Ty's like, it's a joke. This is a retirement joke. And he's like, uh-uh, no, it isn't. Right, right. And and even though Ty was on the Valkyrie with him, like Adama has has obviously been thinking about this. Well, and, and you know, I, I kind of wondered when he talked about, you know, the guilt of, of being potentially the reason the attacks, you know, ended up happening. It, it does kind of give some more context to the speech he gives in, in, in the pilot. Because yeah. oh, totally. It, up to it, that it does point, a beautiful you, job of that. Yeah, up to the point, you really don't have any context other than you know that they're responsible for creating these Cylons, and he may be referencing to the fact that you know maybe we went too far uh, yeah. with with this, and now we're we're at some point we're going to pay the price. But but that speech literally came out of nowhere mm-hmm. in within the context of just the pilot, because you you don't really get a sense from Adama that he thinks this at all up until that point. But then with this episode, it really kind of gives you that background where you're like, oh, well, maybe this is why he said that, you know, that that he's still thinking about this and he's still thinking about, did I, you know, was I inadvertently, am I responsible for something that will eventually happen or not? You know, like, am am I reaping what I've sown, you know, in, in, in certain, in some ways? I think that it was painted in broad strokes. I think this really adds in a lot of the finer detail. Yeah. Like I think that from me watching the miniseries, I kind of got the point of Adama's a thoughtful guy. He fought in that first Cylon war and you know, he knows what he, he, he isn't just willing to accept like, well, they're, they're machines and we should have, you know, done what we want with them. Like this is a guy who, you know, he thinks about things and, and he would have put some thought into this. I mean, he, he fought in the war and he's had, uh, decades after that to to consider it and now just that I think between that and the the difficulty with his son it just kind of churned all that up but this does an excellent job of going back and adding so much texture to that now you're like oh wait a minute like it's enough to make you almost want to go back and watch that immediately after yeah oh, absolutely you know with this new information and th- and that's something that that Ron Moore and 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 just the Everybody in the, who wrote these episodes did such a great job of of doing is kind of in these moments, not just not just painting or adding more story and adding more stuff for the future, but actually going back and adding these little touches and flourishes on stuff that we already know that we've already seen. Right. Right. But adding more to it so that the backstory is enrich is enriched at the same time as they're planting seeds for more story down the line. That is what I think makes this this entire show so great. Oh, because I agree. As as I the agree. as it, as it got richer as it went along, the backstory continued to to develop and 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 be alive. That's yeah. what, I I just love that. And then I I love at the end how how Rosalind again she just doesn't let him off the hook. Right. Does not he, he wants to resign and she's like nope. And it's like that tough love thing. Like, no, your your penance slash punishment is you are going to be the hero that you aren't. Yeah. And you're going to do it for the people of this fleet. I'm giving you a medal and you're going to stand there and you're going to smile and you're going to take it and you have to live with this. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's brutal. Oh, yeah. That's brutal. You know, for someone with the pride of a Bill Adama. Ooh, that's rough. It is. And then, it is. And then, and then the final scene of, of Saul and Bill finally sitting down and kind of, you know, you imagine that 
everything comes out in that conversation. Yeah, and and, and uh, yeah, I think that's where where they start talking about what what happened on Caprica with Ellen and and uh, and and it you know it kind of goes to show how long it's been you know that that you know Saul has been in his cave you know and this yeah. kinda, and this kind of draws him out. Well, and and then you have I mean you have the fact that like Starbuck and Ty are the ones working together. Right. To kind of uncover right. all of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After kind of being the drunks who were who were like disseminating like unrest with the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point to the point of like, what was it? The previous episode where Bill, where Adama like kicks the chair out from under Starbuck yep. and is like, you know, you used to be a daughter to me, but no more. Right. Right. Which. Oh, holy crap. I mean. Yeah. And and then he tries to kind of do the same thing with Saul and well actually that's and that scene starts with him like putting a putting a his, like Starbucks gun on the table and just like just shoot me yeah <laughs> right yeah like, I mean because because they they were both behaving just awful you know and, yeah and it was it was just they were I, I think he even used the term cancer you know like they're they're yeah. a cancer to the ship and 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 then even something that we didn't even mention in this is you know we have the whole idea of like now Deanna's essentially using uh, is, is uh, her death and resurrection to see the final five Cylons at the opera house, uh, which is a callback we haven't seen for a while, but she's doing like this whole, like, you know, uh, uh, suicide by Centurion, which is kind of a weird thing, but is using that as a way to see, like that in-between space between when they when they yeah. die and resurrect, right? And apparently right. that's where they see the five, uh, the final five Cylons, which you kind of start getting this idea of, and knowing that this becomes worse every single time that right. they download. But she is doing that because she's become obsessed with this idea. Yeah, that she she wants to uncover who they are and. And, and to understand more about it. And yeah, and, and, and we get the, the idea too that, that from a Cylon perspective um, that, that suicide is, is frowned upon. Yeah. Um, she, she has to do this in secret um, and she has to do it in a way where they can't uncover what she's, you know, what she's been up to. And so it's kind of interesting to see that even though they have this ability that, um, that they have rules, you know, yeah. and, and, and there's, there's a, a a, a protocol or a way to behave, you know, that, that she's starting to, um, you know, kind of walk outside the lines of in order to gather the information that she's looking for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which, which actually a lot of this leads us into our next episode, which is another one of yours. Uh, this mm-hmm. is episode nine and it's called unfinished business. The summary yes. reads this way. In order to ease tensions among the crew, Galactica holds boxing matches between various crew members while flashbacks detail Apollo and Starbucks falling out on New Caprica. Uh, Also known as how he landed on hashtag a fat Apollo. Yes. All of the feels that Apollo was trying to eat away, we we finally uncover those. Yes. So you you go ahead and and run this down for me. What was it about this episode? Because this is another... Great one. I mean, really, this boils down this boils down to 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 two <laughs> to to two bouts. You have a bout between Adama and Tyrrell, and you have a yep. bout between Starbuck and Lee. Mm-hmm. And both of those fights address very different things. So first, I'll start with Adama and Tyrrell, and and 
that was just masterfully done because Adama comes out swinging like a boss. Oh yeah. I mean, Terrell thinks this is some kind of joke. He's going to go easy on him. And, and Adama just like what just wallops him. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes. Prediction. Pain. Well, when Adama gets in the ring, everybody kind of thinks like, oh, boy, now what? And then he, <laughs> he, he turns to Chief. He's like, get your fat, lazy ass up here. Yep. It's like, and, and, and Chief does. He kind of say, oh, the old man's kind of messing with me. Yep. And he does. He comes right out. He's like, bam. Yep. And I forget what the quote is that he says to him, but he has a mouthpiece half in and half out his <laughs> mouth. I didn't hear no bell. Just, just talking smack to Chief. Like, oh, oh my absolutely. gosh. Well, and, and what's great about this is, is there's, as, as these fights are taking place, we're, we're getting flashbacks to New Caprica and, and events that took place, you know, probably around the time they first landed. It was, it was, yeah. and you know, it's kind of funny when we first see New Caprica in the end of season two, it seems like this really unpleasant place to live in. You know, you got Anders coming down with pneumonia, you have yeah. uh, people just, you know, it looks damp and wet and cold and it's just like, oh, this place. But in, in these flashbacks, it's, you know, sunny and nice, and <laughs> it actually looks like a reasonable place to live. <laughs> well, yeah, because apparently they landed during, like, the spring and summer season. Right, right. Not, it, not knowing how seasons work and that fall and winter is coming. Winter is coming. But, but you know, as, as the backstory of Tyrol plays out in Cali, you, you find that, you know, Adama had plans for them to remain on the ship, to, um, for him to remain the chief. Uh, which would have meant he would not have been part of the insurgency, you know, that, that yeah. happened when the occupation occurred. And it's through, uh, you know, his, you know, seeing that, that they're trying to start a family and, and, and having some empathy for that, that, that he allows them to go down to the surface. But, you know, as, as the fight progresses, it goes from Adama asserting himself on Tyrrell to then Tyrrell gaining the upper hand and, and, and now, you know, you, 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 you see the young man, you know, kind of beating on the older man in a very uncomfortable mm -hmm. manner. And, and folks are just kind of like, what the heck is going on? But, but Adama, of course, at the end of it all has a point and that has, and, and it primarily is around the fact that, that he, he then takes responsibility for what, or, or verbally takes responsibility for what happens yeah, or, or for what happened on New Caprica for the fact that he, let his guard down. He allowed himself to be friendly with them and he can't allow himself to do that if it means that it puts them in danger. Yeah. And, and the, the great part about that is right after that, there, there's a scene when, when one of uh, Tyrrell's deckhands, you know, comes up and, you know, Tyrrell's like, why aren't you working on that ship? And he's like, ah, I want to watch the fights. And Tyrrell's like, yeah, I got you. And, you know, so there Tyrrell's kind of doing the same thing that Adam is talking about, you know, that yeah. he's, he's relieving his, his, his underling of duty because yeah, why not? You know, there's kind of this laziness. Yeah. And that's the thing that sets Adama off really. Right. That was, that was kind of what prompted him. Right. To, to, to start that. And so after the fight ends where Adama just cannot defend himself anymore, Tyrrell stops and, you know, he takes the gloves off and he goes right to that guy. He's like, you get your rear end out there and get that ship going. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he, he goes right back to being Chief Terrell from season yeah. one. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I love the fact that, you know, at one point, I think it's really it's really the round. It's, it's the it's in between rounds. And it's right when Adama starts taking a beating. And, and we had seen this great scene uh, at the beginning of, 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 of Adama and Laura. And Laura kind of reveals that, you know, her father loved boxing, so she loved her father, so she loved boxing. And so 
you know, Coddle is in there and he's like, you know, everybody's trying to talk sense into Adama and, and Rosalind gets in there and he's like, and, and, and she's like, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. You want to win? And he's like, I know I'm not going to win. You can't win. Like he just, he knows right. like this right. is, this is, I, I'm, I, this is for a point. He, yeah, you know he, what I mean? he, he goes into that ring to prove a point and, and yeah. it isn't for him to win and he's not really trying to. You know, assert uh, he's not asserting himself as as admiral over everyone. It's it's him proving a point that, you know, we we have to dig down deep and we have to you know really fight hard to to survive. And and you know, I it's really neat to see someone in in a leadership role like that take responsibility. You know, n- not that it was all his fault, mm-hmm. but you know, in, in that moment, he's basically it's it's one of those kind of reverse psychology things you you see a leader like that take responsibility and then you start to question yourself yeah and say if he's feeling this way about this and feeling that he caused this what what was my role in it you know what i mean yeah. and yeah. and that's where i feel like tyrol you know just kind of snaps back in into the old tyrol mode because he's like what the heck am i having this guy do go fix that ship man go you know and yeah. you know he's 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 back to drill sergeant mode because he's got a deck to run now, did you notice? So the whole premise is that if if you put your dog tags into the box, it's it's fair game. Anyone can challenge you to a match. You can challenge anyone else who right. is who has relieved themselves temporarily of their rank. Like rank does not exist. Did you notice Adama never takes off his tags? I did not know. He does not. Which, in some way, to I mean, granted, it could totally be an oversight, but Edward James almost from just the just the stories I've heard and just the uh, the commentary stories I've heard, like he was a stickler for detail. I find it kind of hard to believe that that wasn't done for some sort of reason, even if it was just for his own reasons, you know, like, I don't want to take off my tags, you know, sort of, and they're just like, right. whatever, Eddie, sure, just fine. That's perfect. We love it. Well, just let him do it sort of thing. But it, you could also read that as, he was allowing himself to be the admiral in that ring and to let them, you know, like, yeah, I'm the admiral. Go ahead and take a swing at me. Yeah. You know, do it. Don't, don't do it when we're just equal. Do it when I'm, when I'm your superior, like take, take it out on the rank as well as, right. As, as me, Yeah. you know, I I thought that was kind of interesting and just kind of a weird thing. I noticed this time around that. And uh, there was one other moment that I loved earlier in the episode uh, when when Hot Dog challenged Starbuck, and just that little shrug that Starbuck gives right before you know realizing that she's going to fight, to me that was like the most Dirk Benedict moment that Katie Sackhoff had as as Starbuck, <laughs> because it is such a Dirk Benedict like all right you know kind of thing like just right. the overall expression and her her posture I was like oh my gosh it's the old Starbuck for like us a, a heartbeat right there. Right, um, I right. just thought that was great too, and it was such a fun moment too, you know. But yeah, anyway, this well, is your episode. I, 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 no, I absolutely, no, I, I totally agree. And I, you know, so so that that kind of covers the Adama Tyrrell part of this, and then then we have the Starbuck and Lee Adama part of it, which Ooh, boy, which is is rough um, because we yeah. see that on on New Caprica, you know, there was a lot of celebrating. Um, you know, she Starbuck is with you know uh, Sam Anders um, as a couple. And, um, and, and Lee is with, uh, Duala. but there comes a point in, in the festivities later in the evening where they kind of wander away and, uh, and they have, let us, uh, call it a, a lover's interlude, if you will. 
Um, wow, you're such a classy guy. Well, you know, I try to. I was going to say they went off in the bushes and they were fracking. You. <laughs> You stay classy, Chicago. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he you know they they have a moment and uh, you know he he declares his love for her and then she declares her love for him and and so you have you see that they have this moment so you're kind of wondering well what the heck happened and then we we see through the flashbacks that uh, that the next morning she's gone and when he returns to the village uh, he finds out that she married Anders. Yeah. And that is what really kind of sealed this for me as as one of the best, you know, episodes from an just from that emotional impactful standpoint. I mean, the way that 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 the Leah Dama character just portrays that whole thing. I mean, you you just see the brokenness on him that that he yeah. just so loves her and he was he finally, you know, finds himself in this in this place where he can realize you know, this, this love he has for her and, and to have it just ripped out, you know, from, from underneath, you know, just have the, have the rug kind of ripped out from underneath him was, was just devastating, you know, and to have it done by his dad as his dad is just, and this is like full, like mustache, like long hair, Bill Adama, like totally relaxed loaf of bread under his arm, just like casually eating bread. Like, yeah, they got married. Isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) He's got no idea. No clue, and Lee's just like dying right in front yeah. of him. Like, ah, those crazy kids. They just got married today. That's yeah. wonderful. And it was almost like a Norm McDonald sort of delivery <laughs> by it, by it, Eddie. Yes. Almost, it was so weird. It, it was just like, it was. yeah, it was. yeah. They got they got married. Wasn't that great? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Great, but like, but the, but the way that that, that Jamie uh, Bamber plays that was just oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he, he is just a shell of a man after that, and you know he still embraces Duala, but but you 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 see at that point why he goes down the hashtag Fat Apollo road at that point yeah. because because he he's had his heart broken. I mean this this is everything he ever wanted. You know he he had never really been that close to Starbucks before, but there had been opportunities. Well, and I don't know because if you remember when they the episode when Starbuck comes back from Caprica with the arrow, and Apollo tells her that he loves her, but he kind of did it by accident. Yes, yeah, you know. So there's kind of this there's this inequality to it. Like he's told her, right? But she ain't she ain't gonna tell him because I I mean who knows even if that's in the ballpark for her in her overall emotional makeup and state right throughout this entire series but yeah yeah oh man he does he does so well doing that and it kind of adds a little it adds a little bit of a question mark like it actually adds more questions than answers because even though he goes up and he and he embraces Duwala, now you're like is is this like a revenge thing like right. i'll show her i can be in love too right you know right. sort of thing and it's like wow I mean, how much more brokenness can we get in, right. this, in this story? And and yeah, and so now you have him, you know, in in a way playing with Duala's heart because now yeah. he he's settling for, I mean, I hate to say it, but he's settling for for second best in a way because clearly his heart is with Starbuck and yeah, 
And so, yeah, he, he, uh, it's just, it's so well acted. And then, you know, of course, as these flashbacks are playing out, the, the fight intensifies, you know, it goes yeah. from them just kind of toying with each other and not being terribly intense in terms of the fight, um, which by the way, has no referee at this point. Cause after the Adama fight, Saul kind of calls it. There's some people hanging around watching, of course, you know, you have Sam Anders and Duala watching this play out. Oh and they, my gosh. And they, 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 the they know what's going on. <laughs> well, well, Sam doesn't necessarily because he he walks in. And he's like, looks like they're trying to kill each other. And Dewall is like, that's one perspective. <laughs> <laughs> that exchange just said so much. I yeah. I watched that and I just was like, frack you, script writer. Like, I wish I yeah. could come up with something that good. Like, that is so brilliant and I so know. just ah. Oh, I know. It's, I'm it's mad incredible. I didn't write that. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh my gosh. And 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 you know what what kind of sealed it for me with with this episode and and you know we talk about episodes that are kind of encapsulated and this one really is in a way it's really about the the fights and you know you know Adama explained in the beginning it's about letting the crew kind of settle you know it's kind of like the <laughs> it's kind of like the. Uh, the 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 Godfather approach of you know the, the, yes. these these wars are good you know it get, gets all the bad blood out of the system you know sort of thing well, these things happen every couple of years <laughs> the, gets all the bad blood out the Clemenza explanation so yeah. uh, <laughs> come on over here you might have to cook for twenty thirty guys come here kid I'll show you how to make meatballs yeah. um, but why uh, don't you tell that girl you love her and you're gonna die if you don't have her now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that uh, was so great! Oh, Clemenza, Clemenza was, was such an underrated fantastic. character. Oh, yeah, you put a little gosh. wine, you put the sugar, and that's how you do it. <laughs> uh, gosh, anyway, I love that movie. Um, but but going back to the episode, j- just the fight, the way it plays out, and how they end up um, in that fighters' hug, you know, kind of toward the end, where they just neither one. I mean, it, it goes from a boxing match to being a street fight. I mean, you know, yeah. Starbuck whips out all these like kickboxing maneuvers and, and Adama start you know Lee starts pulling his you know uh he's getting more brutal with her and they're just beating the crap out of each other yeah to the point where they're exhausted and they're just leaning on each other and it's almost like it, it's this personification of them just beating the t- beating all the pain out of each other you know what I mean like like they they have both suffered and it, it just ends on that note where they both just say you know I've, I've missed you you know, because yeah. they, they've locked each other out for so long. Well, and I think that it, the note that I made is the only way they know how to relate to each other is by fighting. This is the only way they know how to actually yes. yeah. deal with each other and get anything done. Because honestly, like Starbuck, it, it, it made me like when 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 she has this moment with Lee and, and has someone who is like, I love you. I, you are completely screwed up. <laughs> Right, and I have right. I have seen you through all of the screwed, screw it upness, uh, and but I still love you. It's it's that kind of that question, like what happens when you're completely fracked up, but yet you get everything you ever wanted. Yeah, you freak out. Yeah, like and that's what she does. She freaks out, and like two seconds after she says she loves Lee, she's like marrying Anders because I can't comprehend what my life would be if I tried to straighten it out at this point. I need to I need to make it more screwed up. Yep. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Oh my gosh, it is it's such a fantastic episode. So such those those episode. yeah, so so those were the two high points for me um uh, and 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 they but they're very impactful points. I mean, they're they're addressing 
you know, in the Adama, in, in the uh, Admiral Adama case, you have him addressing the morale of, of the crew and, and how they should be operating if they're going to survive. And then you have with Lee and Starbuck, the, the settling of, of, of their debts, so to speak, um, you know, through, throughout that fight. And so I, th- and, and, you know, we finally get some context of how we ended up where we did when season two ended, you know, before, yeah. before the Cylons took over and, and why characters were the way they were, you know, we, we, we get a sense of that now. And, and it, it, it just kind of makes it all kind of, it, it brings it all together, kind of closes the loop of, of, you know, these unanswered questions that we weren't really clear about uh, at the beginning of the season. So it's a good one. So next episode up, this is our final episode of our podcast, and it's also the final episode of this half of the season. It is episode number 10, The Passage, mm-hmm. and this is one of mine. Uh, well, it's the last of mine, actually. Uh, the summary reads this way. When the fleet's food supply is contaminated, Galactica's pilots must lead the ships through a hazardous star cluster. Meanwhile, Cat must suddenly confront a dark secret from her past. So this, to me, is another... Uh, we've talked about it at least once, probably twice now. Uh, I'm forgetting because we've been talking for approximately seven hours. But uh, so this idea of... There are these things that are kind of like an easy setup or a cookie cutter kind of episode, but we let it go because the characters are so well done and because yeah. they don't overuse it. Right. Um, right. So this idea of like the contaminated food stores, a high radiation star cluster that is like kind of the thing between them and uh, this algae planet, which I thought was so funny. Like hashtag protein up. algae, baby. Yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere, but yet we're kind of, you just kind of accept it. Like, oh, yeah, 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 they knew there's this thing. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. And so, like, the whole thing, op- it's, a, it's such a quick setup for them to be like, here's the problem, here's what happened, and, oh, yeah, by the way, all of the food is contaminated now, so we only have so many days, but we have this obstacle between us and food. It's such a quick setup and something, you know, they don't lean on this, um, right. and because they have that focus on characters, but pretty quickly within the first five minutes of the episode you're like okay i got it i know exactly what's happening here right and they again they did this so well by by using those and just like here you go and you know here's more characters so that you don't still sit here and think about this now i thought (laughs) this was great because uh we've been getting these we have and we haven't really talked about it because i don't think that there's been a ton of episodes where this has been kind of the heavy theme of the episode uh, but we've had uh, this these scenes of Baltar on the base ship, ah, which yes. are just weird. They're very trippy, they very are. trippy, uh, partially because we see a lot of James Callis, like, very much in the raw. Uh, <laughs> on, like, this weird, like, for whatever reason, they have Hashtag this Baltar anti- 2020. <laughs> yeah. We got this, uh, he's naked and hey, why not? Um, we have, like, this, like, this antique, like, settee kind of thing is his bed at least in the opening uh, right, first few episodes right. they show him and and several times he just wakes up and he's just like naked <laughs> and it's like dude like you didn't even give him a sheet a blanket like i can't imagine that the cylons are keeping this thing at like 74 75 degrees like that's got to be chilly that's got to be chilly these are the things we think about as we're watching <laughs> well maybe it's just me getting older but i'm like dang i'd want a blanket i'm ch- 
I'm cold sitting here watching the episode. Well, I, I, I don't doubt it since you're, you know, looking for slippers and getting a smoking jacket. I'm, I'm sure a blankie is something you would, uh, you know. You oh, dude, I've, I've got myself a, a wool sweater. That I that is like my my normal just housewear. It looks like I it looks like a dude like Big Lebowski sweater. It's awesome. <laughs> the dude of mine. Nice. nice. It is. It is so great. And yes, uh, I w- most of the time when I was watching these episodes, I was wearing my dude sweater. Of course. Um, of course. Because you got to stay warm. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. Uh, it's it's important. Uh, but the funny thing was, and and especially this episode. Just and I think it might have been just the piano music, but this episode, the the Baltar on the Bayship scene had such a Westworld kind of vibe to it. Yeah, that it freaked me out for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, did I am I watching the wrong episode? Do, like my app starts screwing up, and I'm watching like an old episode of Westworld. Nope, that's James Callis. That's Trisha Helfer. Okay, I'm in the right series. And we also kind of get this revelation of. Oh, by the way, Caprica and Deanna and and Baltar now have this thruple thing going on, by the way, uh, which doesn't really get a great explanation of how this all came about, but I, um, sure, whatever. And Baltar's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Once again, the rich get richer. So, uh, (laughs) sure, why not? Let's face it, the the dude's been president and vice president. Uh, screwed over the human race twice. He's a genius, uh, you know, a genius scientist, and and now he has like these two like gorgeous robot women who think he is the the, the greatest thing ever. Yes. Whatever. All yes. right. Sure. Fine. You know. Here's the most sci-fi part of this whole thing. <laughs> and the other part is the other part is like Trisha Helfer and and Lucy Lawless are both like like. Damn near six feet tall, and I think James Callis on a good day is like five seven. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! So it's like the only way they can kind of show them all in the same perspective is laying down. Yeah, that's the one true way that they they all kind of look kind of somewhat equal. Uh, Anyways, I didn't mean to get that deep into that subject, but um, but then of course, so we get into this whole deal of uh, a cat secret, you know, and again, like this. Uh, Mark Menarden had said this so well like Battlestar Galactica is the show where everyone has a secret and, and Kat's secret is you know who she was before Galactica and 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 this idea that she was a a drug runner she right. she was a she was a criminal she did stuff that was that was of of questionable legality to definitely not legal sort of thing uh, and that yeah. she had assumed another identity to get on Galactica and, and kind of it also explains kind of her drive of why she wants to stay there. Right. You know, right. like she's got nothing to go back to or, or very bad things to go back to. Um, and then we kind of get into Deanna's secret. And these two secrets kind of shape this whole, you know, shape parts of this episode, especially cats. But Deanna's kind of s- shapes a little bit of this episode, but then also leans into what's going to happen down the road. And the, the Deanna's secret, of course, is that she's intentionally... Uh, downloading via suicide by Centurion, and and Baltar having that great line of you know death's just a revolving door, isn't it? It kind of isn't for her, you right. know that sort of thing. And so th- then the whole idea of like okay, well we need to get through this cluster, and and they they send Boomer through uh, Athena, I'm sorry, and she barely makes it back, and it's so radioactive. So the whole idea of you know of packing all the humans onto the onto the onto the Galactica because it's shielded. And then the the Raptors have to lead the the other ships 
through. Right. You right. know, with skeleton crew or either that or they're remotely piloted. I'm not. Right. I, I I think that they're there is a skeleton crew on them because it seems like yeah they're they're relaying coordinates to them. But so the first time through, uh, they lose one ship. Uh, Hot dog loses them, and then uh, the second time through, cat loses and cat loses a ship. Um, so now they're down two ships, and then you get that scene of cat watching the other pilots stumble out of their ships after that mission oh, and yeah. just the effects of the radiation. And oh my gosh, like this was the show that kind of flashed me back to other shows because then I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a, a scene, a cut scene out of, Cher- out of Chernobyl or something. Mm, yeah. Just that effect of the radiation. And again, something, uh, going back to that, that, that realism in sci-fi of it's not some mystery disease or some sort of mystery thing. No, this is radiation. Like this is this is something that we are all acquainted with and and kind of scared of if we're honest with ourselves, you know. Like because right, you can't right. see it, you, you can't really smell it, but if it gets there, like this, it will kill you and it'll kill you quick, or it can it, or you can get enough. It'll kill you slowly, you know, um, which is kind of I think one of the terrifying things. And then, then to break all of this up, you get this scene between Ty and Adama. Where they're talking about because so everyone's on rations and, and and you can't eat and you can and and <laughs> Adama's kind of Adama's like falling asleep because he's he's probably weakening from not having food and and he cut he just throws out this thing like because uh, the civilians are are getting are getting upset and, and Adama's like are they still eating paper and Ty says no paper shortage. <laughs> and, and then just, and then the laughter that starts is just hysterical. And it's just uncontrollable laughter, uncontrol, yep. and it's yep. it, it so fits in because you, I could see it as being like these two actors, just losing it kind of on on set, but also just that idea of like when you're, you're lightheaded from being hungry or, or slap happy from being you know sleepy or whatever, you just have these moments where you just can't stop, like you're you're just that's your only reaction, and then and then Adama with that last line, it's not a good sign, <laughs> it's like yes. oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my god! And then and then Starbuck, kind of figuring out the whole thing with Cat, and just coming down so hard on her, and and just like, oh my gosh, this is this is, isn't going to end good. <laughs> this is right, not going to end right, well. Right. Like when you see a character going that hard in another character, like this is this is going to be bad. Going to be bad. And man, and then that creepy moment. I, I know, I know. I feel like I'm just zipping off all these things, but there's so much in here, and I just want to get to it because then you have. That moment of like the hybrid speaking directly to Baltar, which holy crap, is that creepy? Uh, yeah, if, if they weren't creepy enough to start with, then you have that, yes. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, the the lady in the gooey kind of bathtubby thing that's controlling the entire ship, as if that isn't creepy enough, uh, and she, she just kind of mutters incoherently to no one in particular, that's creepy enough. She's now going to grab your hand, look you right in the eye, and start saying some of that creepy stuff that actually might kind of be directed at you now. Yeah, yeah. We have we have reached like peak creepiness there. Thank yes. you, thank you. Which I mean, and then and then him kind of trying to decipher what that means, and and kind mm-hmm. of leading us to like the next, the next kind of signpost along this journey. Which uh, man, just another wonderful way of of taking something that's kind of there and spinning it into into like, hey, this could be a thing, right? And it just it just sort of happens. And then, you know, just that, man, just the whole idea of, like, Cat kind of the self-sacrifice, you know, of right. knowing, like, 
I don't I don't really deserve this. And even though by her actions, she kind of does deserve it as much as anybody else. She does deserve to be on that ship, you know, regardless of what she's done. And, and, and Adama gets into that kind of later. But, you know, stealing Hilo's swapping her badge for Hilo's radiation badge so that she can go on another mission mm-hmm. and then making sure that ship gets there. Right. And 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 being so, you know, so dosed with radiation, there's nothing they can do. And 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 Starbuck having to go there and like have that heartbreaking scene. And like she she gives her sleeping pills so that, you know, it's like, hey, it's enough sort of thing. Like, yeah, oh my, like whole. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, and I had forgotten about that final scene with Adama, you know, where he comes in and he's talking to her and she tries to tell him about all this stuff. And it, and that that kind of like sold it for me, like where he's like, you know, when you were a CAG, you you did everything to make your people feel safe and and so that they could, they could be brave. Right. Would, what you were going to tell me changed that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, she deserved this just as much as anybody, as 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 worthless as she might have felt, or as unworthy as she might have felt because her past kind of came out and yanked her right. back. Right. She deserved this just as much. I mean, you know, Starbucks no angel, Lee's no angel. You know, I'm sure if you go back into the backstory of any of these other character, any of these other pilots, right? There's stuff they've done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, because because I think for for her, you know, she she's always, you know, I mean, Starbuck has those moments too where she just kind of grinds on you because of the way she's kind of sticking it to to people who probably don't deserve it. Um, you know, Cat very much. You know, that character was cut from a similar cloth, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it was kind of nice for for them to have kind of a you know, just kind of a, a, what do you call it? A, a peaceful moment between the two of them at, toward the end there. Um, yeah. you know, especially with Starbuck putting her picture up on, on the memorial wall, oh. uh, which, which was just, you know, you, you, you can remember back to season one when, you know, she and hot dog and the others were, were brought in as, as the newbies, you know, and, uh, the nuggets, the nuggets and, and how much, you know, her character has grown and, and, and how, you know, she very much, you know, kind of became, you know, the next Starbuck in, in, in many ways, um, you know, and, and how, you know, she had her own up and ups and downs and challenged Starbuck when she was having her, you know, own, you know, kind of valley as well. And so mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, you know, it, it, it was nice to kind of get that backstory for her and, and to see that it, it you know, for her character to, to, you know, to do the self-sacrifice to, I, I mean, th- this episode is another one of those that just kind of stood out in my memory when I first watched it. Cause I just remember that whole concept being just so interesting. Like, again, you, you don't see it in any of the major sci-fi shows, you know, you, they, they never come across this sort of barrier where there's this amount of, you know, danger, you know, for, for what they're trying to accomplish. And so it was, it yeah. was, it was interesting to see them do that. And, you know, I kind of have to chuckle a little bit because it's, it's interesting how, they had just enough technology with them to be able to do this sort of thing. I mean, when, when you're seeing them kind of hose down the Raptors after each of these flights and get them back into some, you know, working order, it's just like you, you, you look at that scenario and say, how on earth could you pull this off? Um, you know, yes, they lost ships, but how, how do you pull this off and not lose, you know, Raptors and, and, and have, you know, failures occur with the ships afterwards and stuff that, that render them, you know, in a, you know, unable to continue the journey and that sort of thing. It's, you know, it's just it's it's you know it's interesting that that they they have just enough you know to to kind well, of yeah. to, to kind of make it. And you look at, I mean, it it kind of, but they it it does have basis in reality because you look at there are certain 
you know, military vehicles, planes that are that are designed with a certain amount of redundancy to be just that tough because the the conditions right. that they're going to be put into, the missions they're going to be sent on, are so dangerous and and so unpredictable that they need to have a certain margin of error. Like the um, there's a you know the plane uh, the 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 Air Force was they might actually still have a few of them left. They were trying to phase them out because they were actually getting way up there in years but the uh the a10 which is a it's a low low altitude air to ground assault kind of thing and it's built around like this giant gatling gun at the front and uh and yeah. it had all kinds of you know it was basically meant to go out and go in and take out tanks and ground forces and it had the two engines kind of offset in the back and the essentially there uh, was a, it was some ungodly high percentage of flight systems could be like shot off of the plane and this plane could still get back because it was built with that much redundancy because it yeah. was it was going to fly so low that it was going to take fire I and see. they yeah. and they actually had they called it a titanium bathtub is what the pilots would sit in because you're going to get shot at from the bottom up oh, you know geez. so there was just this uh, the the armor was all around the bottom and the sides of the pilot because that's where you're going to take the heaviest fire and the, to me, the Raptor—it's it, uh, kind of the helicopter of the of the fleet, but right. it's also this idea of it's a tough little plane that's supposed to fulfill like all of these different purposes, from shuttle to electronic warfare right. to you know to support craft and all this stuff. Like the idea that these are these are hardened against like nuclear attacks and radiation makes sense. You know, oh, yeah. but it, yeah. you, you even see them like as they're catching fire and pieces are falling off like there's limits like they are pushing right. the, these things to their limits, yeah. which is incredible to see, you yeah. know, like just how thin the, the the margin of error is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's a great, great, great episode all around. And then you have at the end, you know, Adama promotes her to CAG. Right. As you know, as kind of like this last little nod, and then oh my gosh, the scene at the very end when he talks about how he how he likes uh, he likes sick bay because it reminds him of when his son was born, mm. and how his wife thought they were having a girl. Yeah, and and she and and Cat asks her, "Did you want a girl?" Yeah, and he said, "Yeah," and kind of insinuating like you know. Right now, you kind of feel like that daughter I didn't have, you right. know, sort of thing. Like having that moment, like not. Oh my gosh, that whole thing was yeah. just like, oh, I, like I needed, like I needed to be crying this afternoon <laughs> when I was watching this. Like I was like, you really, really, yeah, really. Got a little dusty in the room. Oh, uh, it but, was real dusty. But it does make sense because you know, like I said, I think you know that her character was very much cut from the same cloth as Starbuck, and we all. You know, we, we've talked at length about, you know, the relationship between Adama and Starbuck. Yeah. You know, n not that Kat duplicated that in any sense, but, you know, there, there's still that respect and admiration there, you know, for, for what, she, you know, for, for becoming what she did, you know, given her background, given how she was basically an unknown, you know, mm -hmm. when, when she joined uh, to, to fly and how she's grown and struggled and grown and and you know become you know a key part of of the uh, of the fleet and yeah. you know that acknowledgement i think is what you know is something that that you know she she ends up dying with the knowledge that you know he you know admiral adama you know had that measure of respect for her 
Um, which I, which I think ultimately is, you know, not that she was, she had a death wish, but just, I think that's what she was looking for was that validation that she was more than what she once was. And, yeah. and she, she is not just this drug runner. She is a pilot in, in good standing, uh, you know, worthy of, of the CAG position and, and just Adama, you know, you know, kind of insinuating the, the, the daughter aspect there is just one more layer on top for her before she moves on. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a beautiful episode. It was it was very well done. It was good service to that character. All right. Before I start weeping, let's move on to <laughs> and another thing. And another thing. <laughs> you sound a little sad there, man. <laughs> I, you're gonna make me lose my stuff here. I uh, I just I, I I had just processed everything, and now we're dragging it all back out. Uh, so get get the hanky. Let's uh this is the portion of our of our podcast where we uh we pass along a recommendation of something that we've enjoyed recently or or even just something that we kind of enjoy and we would like to share with you our listeners. So sir, would you like to go first? I would. Uh my recommendation right. is a uh, fellow podcast uh that I listen to quite a bit out here. It originates from uh Chi-Town, USA. Uh it is called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. It is uh, an NPR-hosted show uh, that's hour-long, weekly news-based radio panel show produced by WBEZ and National Public Radio in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, on the program, uh, we have panelists, contestants are quizzed in humorous ways about that week's news. So it's, you know, if you kind of miss one, it kind of loses, uh, or, or if you don't listen to it for a couple of weeks, it kind of loses a, a bit of its humor. But uh, mm-hmm. very, very funny show uh, hosted by Peter Sagal. Uh, and uh, Bill Curtis uh, of Bill Curtis is a popular announcer out here in Chicago. But the format of the show, um, they, they have uh, segments um, basically like, you know, standard like panel questions where they talk about the news, uh, bluff the listener where they read these really funny stories and you have to guess which one uh, like a listener will dial in. Uh, each panelist will read a story and they have to guess which one is the real one. And they each sound equally just not you know, possible, you know, but, but one of them is, <laughs> nice. you know, and it's really funny. Um, they have the listener limer challenge, uh, where they use political, you know, stories from the, from the week to, you know, kind of, uh, tease, uh, and, and have listeners guess, you know, different aspects of those stories from, from, uh, limericks. And then they have the panelists, uh, have their own little lightning fill in the blank. So, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's just a fun show to listen to. It kind of lightens the mood for the news, which quite frankly can, can use some lightning up. Yeah. But uh, but some of the panelists include, uh, I don't know if you remember, Tom Baudet, uh, Bobcat, really? Bobcat Goldthwaite, uh, oh, Paula geez. Poundstone, Mo Rocca, uh, and a host of others. So it's it's a, just a very, very funny show, and uh, it's it's definitely good. You know, if you're in the car on a Saturday and, and you can get NPR uh, where you are, it's it's just a really funny show to listen to. I'll have to give that. I'll have to give that a listen because I'm. Oh, and and it's a podcast, like I said, so you can obviously download it and listen to it through Podbean or Spotify or or, or any of your your podcasting networks. Cool. Well, I'll make sure I link that in the show notes. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, well, my another thing uh, this week. This is a band that is uh, near and dear to my heart, and an album that I truly enjoyed uh, listening to over the past. Uh, well, gosh, over a year. Or Anyways, I don't have the exact date, but this is a fantastic album. Uh, this is Soul Side of Town by Tower of Power. Now, if you've never heard of Tower of Power, that doesn't surprise me, but it, 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 should, uh, it should be on your listening list. Uh, a little bit of background. Tower of Power is an American R&B-based horn section and band, or as 
Emilio Castillo, founding member of Tower Power, says they are a soul band playing soul music. Coming from Oakland, California, they've been performing since 1968, in addition to their own extensive recording catalog, Dang. which began... Yeah, their first album came out in 1969 on Bill Graham's San Francisco record uh, wow. label called East Bay Grease, and it is still one of the best mixed and sounding albums I have ever heard. And it was nice. recorded in 1969 with total 1969 technology, <laughs> and it is amazing. Nice. Uh, but in addition to their own uh, their own extensive recording catalog, their horn section was very in demand for studio and actually touring work as work as well. Uh, they've appeared on recordings by Elton John, Santana, Huey Lewis and the News, whom they actually toured extensively with in the 80s, Aerosmith, The Meters, Little Feet, Fish, and here's two completely unexpected ones, KMFDM and uh, the Sex Pistols frontman Johnny Rotten's other band, Public Image Limited. So Soul Side of Town uh, debuted at the top of the Billboard Jazz Albums chart in 2018. I believe it was June or July of 2018 when it came out. And uh, that was their first ever number one album. And that was their 50th anniversary year. They're still wow. out touring. I am going to Brooklyn, New York later this month to see them live. Nice. Uh, they still feature four original members of the band, Emilio Castillo, uh, who is a tenor sax player, uh, Stephen uh, Kupka, who is mm -hmm. also known as the Funky Doctor, who is uh, the Barry sax player, nice, and and is responsible for a lot of just the kind of the the feel and the sound of the horn section. Uh, then uh, 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 Francis Rocco Prestia, who is their bass player, who you would love. You got to listen to this guy. You have got to listen to this guy because okay. I, I play bass. You've played bass longer than me, though, mm -hmm. uh, and we've had several discussions about about bass players. And eventually, we will probably have a podcast talking about our favorite bass players. But Rocco Prestia is so unique in how he plays. It's it's the style uh, that he calls finger style funk. Nice. I will just let you listen to some of their stuff, and you tell me <laughs> if you think anybody else can make that style work. Because I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've actually uh, he he has gone through a couple of health scares. He had to have a um, was it a liver transplant? Oh, I believe wow. it was a liver transplant uh, several years ago. And he tours, but he also does take some dates off. And I saw them once without him. It is a totally different thing. Like it, it like it, no one can really play what he plays. And then there's also uh, David Garibaldi, who is the who is their original drummer, uh, who is who is still playing with them. They are phenomenal, mm -hmm. and the other players that that surround them, and the the new the new lead singer that they have, oh my god, it's just it's amazing. This album is quite honestly, uh, and I'm a I've been a big fan of this band for years. This is one of their top five albums, if not top three. Nice. And, and this is a band that you have fifty years to choose from. At that point in your career, to be releasing one of your best albums. Mm -hmm is unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Unheard. I can't think of anybody else who's really managed to pull something like that off. Yeah. So you got to you got to listen to it, download it. Um I've actually seen it on uh as a double LP for vinyl if you love vinyl. Nice. But get a CD, get the vinyl, uh get the digital, buy all three. Really, just go out, you know, and and support this band and uh you can find more. I'll link the their website in the show notes, uh, but definitely find them. If you can see them live, they are amazing live. 
I mean, very cool, just phenomenal. Yeah, have to check it out. I sounds sounds. I, I remember from when we uh, when we uh, split an apartment that uh, Tower of Power was was you know synonymous with you, my friend, and uh, I, I have listened to it in in uh, in you know here and there. So I'll, I'll definitely have to check this out. Very nice. Thank you for, again, once again, for all the people who have listened and made it this far. And if you have made it this far, you know what? Go ahead and you buy yourself a drink on us and we'll owe you for it because you've, you've made it this far. <laughs> Congratulations. And we thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now that we've uh, now that we've reached the end of our time together, uh, this is the part of the show where I, I just you unfortunately, because I just can't stop my gums of flapping i end up talking i feel like way too much every episode so at the end of every episode i i give tim the chance to really just tie things up to bring it all together Mm. to give him the last word to try and somehow make up for the deficit that i bring to the table for him to, to try and balance the equation out so i i i i turn to him Yes, I turned to him this shining beacon of an of intelligence <laughs> and and thoughtfulness and wisdom. Dare I say, who, who dat? <laughs> I don't know. Was I who was I talking about? I, I, I don't know. I I, I think I, I was I think I was talking about Baltar. No more, Mister Nice Guys. But uh, so hashtag Baltar twenty twenty. <laughs> actually, maybe it was Fat Apollo. Hashtag Fat Apollo. There we go. Uh, so. Uh, which actually, Fat Apollo goes away in this season, this half season. No more, no more Fat Apollo. Um, so, but I, I turn it over to Tim to try and if we've dug ourselves into a hole like we are right now, I try to, I turn to him to dig us back out. So, sir, what thought do you have that you would like to leave us all with? Well, it's timely you bring up hashtag Fat Apollo because I was going to end on on this note that. There, there, there's a great scene between uh, Agathon and, and Apollo after Apollo has lost all of the weight. And Apollo says to him, please remind me to never let that happen again. Lee, we will never let you do that again. Hashtag Fat Apollo. Good night. Turn the lights on the way out. Thank you. Yes, sir. I can take the wrong way. Quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs>